I started three seconds early, just so you could look at her face. Just, just look at it. Look at it. Oh, I'm not making face. She looks. I'm making fun of her demonic spirit. Just look at it for three more seconds before you hear the verbal diarrhea come out of that mouth. Oh, and by the way, wait for her smile to drop like the beat of a club song. Oh. What do you make of your security detail uh, arresting uh, David Menzies? So, um... Oh, I already want to vomit. I want to start... I want to start with so what was important about Monday. U.S. Americans are having trouble finding... what was important finding. about Monday, January 8th, Monday, January, was, that more was specific. the fourth anniversary of a date that I think forever needs to be marked and circled in black on the calendar of all Canadians. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a tragedy for Canada. Uh, Canadians were criminally murdered. And I want... If this were a deposition and I were the lawyer, I would stop the witness right now and I said... I would have, and I've done this all the time. It's, it's, it's actually kind of a decent tactic. I say, stop. What was the question I just asked you? Nine out of 10 times, they at this point into their idiotic rambling will not even remember the question that was asked. What was the question that you were just asked, Madam Fräulein Freelander? What was it? Freeland, not Freelander. What do you say about your security detail uh, falsely arresting and assaulting David Menzies? Um, so let me just go on for a minute about exploiting and milking the victims of, call it a terrorist attack, or at the very least, the deliberate downing of a commercial airliner. Um, let me just go ahead and milk those victims to distract from the question, and then I'll get to your questions soon. I want to say to the families and loved ones of the people who were murdered that Canada remembers Canada will not forget. Canada remembers and Canada will not forget. And it took Justin Trudeau about a week to finally refer to it as uh, a plane that was taken down and not a plane that crashed. At first he was saying, it's a, it's a plane crash. Sorry, planes getting shot out of the sky is not a crash. It's a terrorist attack, more likely. Now, now she can admit it because now she gets the virtue points for invoking the victims of that uh, downing of the, uh, was it the Ukrainian flight or the Iranian flight? I forget now, now they can talk about it instead of answering the very straightforward question that she was asked to begin with. And that's why I was in Richmond Hill. Marcy was there too, to show that this is a Canadian tragedy, that Canada remembers mm. and Canada will not forget. Mm. Canada remembers um, and Canada will not forget. All right, you, you, are, you are about as smart as uh, Kamala Harris, Christian Freeland. On... By the way, how long, how, we're now a minute into the question? The incident, um, as you guys know very well, as you guys know very Canada well. is a rule of law country. Ah, oh yeah, no, no it's not, it's a, it's, it's a tyranny. Rule of law, extrajudicial freezing of bank accounts with no due process and no judicial oversight, not a rule of law anymore. Christian Freeland, Fräulein Freeland. Canada is a democracy. Not anymore. Operational decisions about law enforcement are taken by the police of jurisdiction. Quite appropriately, political elected officials have no role in the taking of those decisions. Bullshit. And that's why I don't have any further comment. That took me a minute to like, look at her face. Just look at this, by the way. Look at it with the the volume down. (laughs) What did you just say? She's demonic. I've used that word twice today and for good reason. Uh, Everybody. Good morning. 
I'm so, good morning. I had a, a Twitter space yesterday, very uh, entertaining Twitter space, which I, I'm going to put together a short vlog later today, a car vlog. I'm going to go sit in the car, listen to the birds chirp and highlight the fact that I did a two hour or participated for two hours in a Twitter space with scientists, doctors and PhDs um, who expose themselves for what they are as relates to jab pushing, as I've said, demons who refuse. Well, I asked the three of them at the end, how many jabs have you had? One confirmed zero. The other one refused to answer. And then after the stream, some, one of the doctors went to Twitter to confirm that he got myocarditis from his first jab. These are the people pushing this on other people and calling people like me who subjected myself to two shots anti-vaxxers. They can't go to hell fast enough. Okay, Will Chamberlain is in the backdrop listening to me rant like a lunatic. Everybody share the link because it's super short notice, uh, or at least I set this up with super short notice. Will Chamberlain has a very uh, uh, similar name to Wilt Chamberlain. So when I was online doing my research, I'm like, holy crap, he played basketball. And then I realized, nope, I uh, autocorrect went to Wilt Chamberlain, not Will Chamberlain. And then the internet, at least Google searches, not much on Will Chamberlain. I was watching some podcasts and it seems that for whatever the reason lately, Will's been doing the rounds debating Dave Smith or at least having discussions on the Israeli-Palestine conflict. I pulled up a podcast with him and um, Michael Malice from 2019. I know some of you watching are already predisposed to not like him or make fun of him. He's a very smart guy. I happen to think he might be a little out in left field with some of the stuff we're going to talk about it. We've had a Twitter beef and I said, look, instead of misunderstanding back and forth on Twitter, let's just have a discussion in, in real life. And he's in the backdrop, Wilt Chamberlain. Are you ready? I'm here, brother. Sir. How's it going? Oh, very good in yourself. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zoom in like this. Now, what I'm going to do, if you could give us the elevator pitch. Hold on, because I'm going to make sure my audio is good. Let me hear your audio for a second. Sure. You hear me? I think it's perfect. Chat, let me know if I'm too soft or too loud. Um, because for whatever reason, it sounds good to me. But there's always a few people in the chat who say I'm too loud or too soft. Um, Will. You're not, Will Ch you're not Will Chamberlain, and who is the Chamberlain Peace in Our Time guy? What was his first name? Neville. That was Neville, Ch and you're not Neville, that was Chamberlain. No, no um, relation, thank God. <laughs> tell, for those of us who don't know who you are, tell us who you are. Um, so I'm the former publisher of Human Events. I'm a lawyer by training. Um, former publisher of Human Events. Uh, you know, Jack Posobiec, they're all still there, good friends. But um, most recently, uh, I was working for... Uh, the DeSantis campaign in June and July. And then I worked after the layoffs that happened there, I worked at the executive office of the governor. So in, in his actual official office of the Capitol. Um, and currently I am senior counsel at the Article 3 project and the Internet Accountability Project. Uh, focus a lot on the Internet Accountability Project. Big tech has been a longer term focus of mine uh, in terms of fighting against censorship um, on social media platforms. So can I ask the indiscreet question, how old you are? Because you look very young. I'm <laughs> 38. 38. Okay. You're still, you're, you're, you're a baby. No, I'm, I'm not trying to <laughs> 38. I mean, uh, you got a wife you, and a kid, man. <laughs> you, only one kid? Only one. Yeah. Uh, when you, I say that the, the exponential difference is going from two to three, one to two, it, no big difference. Two to three parents were outnumbered right and holy crab apples. Um, born and raised in Florida? No, uh, uh born and raised in California. Okay. Um, and, uh, have moved around a lot. Um, as a result of, I went to law school in DC came back to California to work, went back to DC to work, moved down to Florida most recently. So I've been all over the place. Uh, 
how, how many siblings do you have? I won't get too far into the family. Just I, I love. Oh, sure. Just uh, a younger sister. And what do your parents do? Or did what? What did they do? Uh, they're both. I mean, they're both retired. My d- mom was also a lawyer, although she 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 left to be a stay at home mom after when she she met my dad. My dad uh, did a variety of things. He was kind of we were in, we lived in Silicon Valley. He was kind of a mid level manager at Tandem Computers, which was bought out by Compaq, which was bought out by HP, um, and. And then most recently, he retired from a second career doing uh, complex tax work. So now I think people in the crowd might be suspecting you're either a closet Democrat or a, a CIA asset. You go from California to D.C. to study law. Yeah, I mean, I got into Georgetown. So Georgetown, okay. Like the right and did you practice law after your degree? Yep, uh, I practiced co- complex commercial litigation at a Quinn Emanuel in Los Angeles. Um, and then I did nonprofit class action work at the Competitive Enterprise Institute, where we fought against, uh, we objected to unfair class action settlements. I can go into detail on that if you want to know how much time well, that, we have. It, well, we got, we got, I say, typically, I mean, if you got an hour and a half, we got an hour and a half, but sure. this is kind of interesting. So go in, you got to make people like you before they decide they hate you for the oh. DeSantis stuff. So. Oh, right, right. Okay. So uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, well, Quinn Emanuel was, is like a big litigation firm that had a lot of interesting um, cases like oddly enough, I, I had to, I turned down the opportunity to represent, for example, Bill Cosby, who we were representing in a defamation case. Um, I had a client briefly that was on uh, dirty money. Netflix is dirty money. I saw that later. Uh, so we had, we had interesting, you know, both plaintiff and defense side type work and, um, some white collar criminal defense, which is like the dirty money type stuff and, and other sort of, and also just normal kind of civil business litigation. Um, and then when I was at Competitive Enterprise Institute, what we were doing was we were objecting to unfair class action settlements. So if you ever get you know one of those cards in the mail that it gives you like a $5 or less coupon that you say you get out of a settlement, well, the, the, that's the product of, of a class action lawsuit. And unlike you, who's getting just a coupon, the lawyers are often getting millions of real dollars, not just a coupon that you can use to buy something from the company that wronged you. Um, so we would go in and object to those settlements and try and make it a little bit fairer and ensure that, I mean, the problem in those settlements is that there's this, you know, kind of conflict of interest that the plaintiff's lawyers has. They, they have an incentive to maximize the amount of returns they get in terms of their fees that they're given to them by the court, while not really caring that much about how much you, the class members, get, because who cares it's coupons or who cares it's a small amount of money. Um, and you're, you're also not their client, right? Like they might have one single client who's the lead plaintiff, but you, just the random class member who's not a part of the lawsuit officially, you're not their client. So um, there's a lot of tension there in terms of how that lawyer negotiates with the defendants. And and so we were we were doing work to ensure that things were fair. Um, Who, and I'm pretty proud of that well, you work. Say, and, and it, it still goes on. Uh, you say not, not for profit. Who do you go in? And who is your, you have to have standing, you have to have somebody who's your, sure. your, your client. Who goes in and says, I object to this? It's one of the people who gets a $5 coupon and says, exactly. what the hell is this? Exactly. It's an unnamed class member. And so, I mean, these class action lawsuits have, can have millions of people in the class, right? Like you were, if you purchased, or a good example would be a, there was a false advertising claim about a particular olive oil that it was, uh, it said it was made in Italy, but in reality it used Greek grapes or Greek olives, sorry. Um, well, if you bought that olive oil, you're a class member from in a, in the relevant time period. So if we find, you know, if we see a class action settlement that looks off, we would solicit for anybody who was actually a member of a class and doesn't mind, you know, being a unnamed class member and the, the named objector to the settlement.
Barnes and I, uh, we just covered one relatively recently. I forget the details. I think it was a credit card class action and they were offering coupons. And the question was whether or not, I forget the details of it. But anyways, we, we've talked about this. It's, it's interesting because some of these things, you get a notice in the mail, you're not aware of it. The lawyers are settling for millions for legal fees and then you know, dividing up coupons or actually no compensation for the members of the class. Um, now, someone said, are, uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if someone knows something that I don't know. Jesuit's going to Jesuit. Are, you, you're, not a, you're not a religious what? person, are you? I'm not, I'm not Catholic. Okay. I think I, sometimes the chat I'm knows. Jesuit. I'm not Catholic. <laughs> so, I'm, not, I'm not even religious, man. Like, I don't know where people, I get, I get this sometimes. People assume, like, I randomly, this is a random story. You know, Bethany Mandel or the Mandel family, like, they invited us over for Shabbat dinner. And they, like, assumed I was Catholic for some reason. I'm like, my mom's Jewish. I'm, I'm my dad's Christian. I'm, I'm not, I'm non-religious. Like, dude, I, I, I totally assumed you were the furthest thing from Jewish that I could um, imagine. Yeah. Most people don't see it coming. That's true. I don't, I don't really look Jewish. How tall are you? Six two. Yeah. You see, they, they, it's, I knew you were, t it's, you could tell by the, 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 uh, a good deep voice that you're, that you're a tall person. Six mm -hmm. two Chamberlain. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have seen that coming. Yeah. Um, okay. So how long do you practice for? Um, as a, uh, I didn't practice for all that long, honestly. I practiced for like a little less than two years before I decided to kind of move into politics. So, all know. right. And then, how does that transition work? What, what, what year was this? And this was like 2017. Um, so, 2017, I moved to DC in March to take the job at the nonprofit. Um, but then I was also getting, you know, I, I was excited at Donald Trump winning in 2016 um, and uh, wanted to come to DC and, you know, because like, I was one of the only people in my social circle I knew that voted for Trump. Uh, I, I, you know, I was doing big law. This is not a Trump friendly environment in elite law, um, elite legal circles, certainly not in 2016. <clears throat> so I was like, well, that means this is a good opportunity for me to like come be a part of the movement. And so I came to DC. Um, I'm friend. I was new Mike Cernovich who I'm still friends with. Um, and he was uh, a very major Trump advocate at the time. Um, and sort of got hooked into his the people he knew in D.C. that were involved in pro-Trump activism. And so I met a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of friends. I, at the time, I, when I just started, I was doing uh, like cocktail hour type things, you know, after work um, to try and meet people in the area and organize Trump supporters at the, at the Trump Hotel in D.C. back when it was still the Trump. Um, and then, you know, once I got to that, I eventually decided to leave my job and try and do more politics stuff full time. And at, in 2019, I ended up buying human events, uh, the, the rights to the intellectual property of human events with Raheem Kassam, or I'm sorry, I bought it. <laughs> Let me put that clear. I bought it. Raheem was, but it, Raheem was my partner at the time to try and run the, and create a new magazine. Um, and since then it's been kind of like, you know, I, I, what, I, what I was looking for is I didn't think we had a national review, like on the populist side of the right. And I wanted to create human events to be that. That was my vision at the time. Uh, human events, I know. I mean, I know Poso. Posobic is there. The human events yeah. bought out, I want to say, a Canadian outlet. I forget no, what it was. Postmillennial. Uh, well, yeah, no, you're right. Human events bought out Postmillennial, right? Like my basically that at some point I brought in a business partner um, and we had some editorial disagreements. <clears throat> and I, he was a much wealthier guy than I am. So it made sense for him, me to sell to him rather than the other way around. Um, and so I sold my interest, uh, and since then he's bought out, he bought out post-millennial. And so, you know, you have human events and post-millennial under the same, uh, enterprise. Okay. So you, you, you bought, uh, human events. How long did you, how long were you involved with it for before, uh, you were bought out or sold out? Uh, I want to say a full, like 
two and a half years. I think the, I think, no, the, it was finalized in 2022, early 2022 is when the, the sale was finalized. So, all right. So you get, um, and you get into human events. It's, it's, I mean, I don't know what it was like back then. Cause I don't think I was politically conscious at that time to the degree that I am now, but today it's amazing. Post-millennial does great work. Was it hard work getting that up and, and establishing a, a name and a brand for it? It was challenging. And I mean, I'd never done news before. I mean, I came from the law, so I'm, you know, argue and debate. So I'm like, you know, I'm an opinion editor type guy. That's primarily where I focused. And, and when Raheem and I separated pretty quickly, uh, after getting started, I kind of steered it towards focusing on opinion. Um, you know, you can read a lot of my old opinion pieces that I wrote there. They're still up. Uh, and, you know, we were, I was just trying to do like intellectually serious, but, you know, po you know, nationalist advocacy. Like I'm still very involved with, for example, the national conservatism organization um, and, and go to their conferences and speak and I do their podcast every week. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was looking to try and like, and, and a lot of it was because I felt like National Review did a terrible job. They just decided to go full on anti-Trump. And even after he was president, they were just obnoxious about it. And I thought there was a very intellectually serious case to be made for the Trump presidency and for the program that he was trying to implement through 2016 to 2020. Um, and so I, you know, and, and I was really happy to see that the way he had kind of shifted the Republican Party too. That was a big thing. You know, the Republican Party pre-Trump was terrible. Uh, it was just, you know, neocon hawks and not, it was just not nearly as good as it is now. So, um, you know, and Trump gets a lot of credit for that, right? Like I, I see Trump as the catalyst to shifting the way the Republican party, he made the Republican party a lot better. Uh, that's what I think. Um, hold on. Okay. We're, we're going to shift into the actual meat of this now. So what I'm going to do yeah. for those on, on YouTube, we're going to end this on YouTube and coming over to rumble. Cause now it's going to be getting into what you did for Trump or what you did. I say supporting Trump and the transition to a very, a very proactive pro DeSantis. We're going to get there. Okay. We're ending on YouTube, everybody. The link to rumble is there, or actually I should say this. Hold on. You can all come over to vivabarnslaw.locals.com. Uh, we end on YouTube in three, two, one now. All right. Well, so, so you, you get into politics, you're on, well, I don't want to say on the Trump train. Cause I don't, I don't view things that way, but you're, you're supporting wholeheartedly Trump at the time, mm -hmm. 2017 to 2020. Um, flesh that out. What are you doing? Is it, is it, is it, I, I say paid in a non-cynical way? Is it just politically you're ideologically aligned? So, I mean, you know, we're, we're, you know, I'm running human events at the time. We're taking subscriptions and getting support. So in, in sort of an abstract sense, I have people who are probably, you know, handing over money to human events because we're a pro-Trump outlet, I guess. And, you know, but I don't want to, I'm not paid directly by any Trump affiliate or any, you know, any part of the Trump campaign or, you know, anything right. related to him. And now, now you, um, so you, you're supporting him and you see the way the media from day one of the presidency is, I won't even say, what's the word? Not, not handcuffing his pregnant, his pregnancy, his presidency, but, but overtly sabotaging it. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. No, so, I, I don't give any time to the media in terms of like, they, they were th horribly unfair to him. Uh, you know, a lot of people were horribly unfair. Um, you know, but I, the thing about being there and, and being in DC and, I knew plenty of people who worked in the administration, got a lot of, you know, inside baseball in terms of what they were dealing with. Uh, there were huge, huge, huge staffing problems um, in terms of, and the ability of people who were in the American First Movement to actually get in the administration. Part of, I mean, one of the things that, uh, the way I look at Trump and it's, you know, he's a, one, he's, he's strangely flawed, right? He's unique talents and then unique flaws. And then the second big thing is that, you know, he, 
he is he's an excellent foreign policy president and a kind of mediocre domestic policy president. Like that's that's what I look at Trump. And the reason he was mediocre on domestic policy is because on foreign policy, he has much more personal direct responsibility. Right. He can just make good decisions. And if he just makes good decisions on foreign policy, generally things are going to be OK. Right. He's the guy who controls who's ultimately in charge of our diplomacy, in charge of our war making, whatever. I thought he did a good job on that. Part. But, man, he he just really struggled to control the bureaucracy to do anything with Congress. And in, in particular, like some of that's always going to be hard because you don't have full control of Congress, for example, obviously. But he just he did terrible personnel and did terrible, you know, running his cabinet. Um, and, and, you know, for me, it's like you, you notice that basically every cabinet secretary or like 90 percent of them, he decided they were losers. And you know, after they said bad things about him and it's like, well, you're the guy who hired them. You know, you hired all these people. I, I, I don't I, I think ultimately one of the things is he just he he's not I don't know if you read Jocko Willink's book on extreme ownership. The idea is yeah. that like as a superior, you are responsible for what happens underneath you. Right. It's your fault. Right. You don't get to blame your subordinates for things like it's on you. You are in charge. And obviously there are some things you're not in charge of that you don't get the blame for. But you control who your cabinet secretaries are. You could fire them at any time. That's on you. And if your administration, your White House doesn't function, that's your fault as the president. Um, and so I I got really tired of that. Um, I still supported him. And obviously I, I can't stand the Democrats. They're far, far worse. But you know, once, and especially once 2020 happened and he's out of office, I'm like new blood, right? We need, we need to go well, in let, a different direction. If we can keep somebody who's along, aligned with the policy, like we should be going in a different direction here. Let me start, you, you name your cabinet minister, you name your cabinet right from the get-go to mm -hmm. once your first days in office, it was, he gets sworn in on January. It's January, 2021, right? The, mm -hmm. the transfer of power. Um, just hypothetically, people often blame him for this. He hired the wrong people. He didn't fire the right people. He's coming in to politics as an outsider, maybe thinks, and, and it's maybe my not defense of Trump because I'm pro-Trump. Uh, I'm not pro-anything, despite mm -hmm. what people think. I just say, like, he's he's a, a an outsider coming in, think he's going he's gonna to bridge divides. He's going to be able to convince, you know, negotiate with the enemy, uh, as typical politicians had done, but had no idea the degree to which they were going to play dirty. And... What's 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 he supposed to do? Like just fire everybody who's part of the administration and hire his own people? How, how would it have worked in the ideal sense had he done everything right? I mean, in the ideal sense, first off, I mean, he easily could have prevented the Russia special counsel investigation from even happening, right? This is one. Well, this is a very small, like a little known fact, and and people don't really discuss it, and and. Don't and that's not to say that it wasn't unfair. Holy cow, was it a you know massive abuse of power and everybody responsible in the FBI, you know, needs to get thrown, you know, just like have the book thrown at them. Don't get me wrong. If you remember, he fired James Comey, and that and that firing was the catalyst for the special counsel being appointed by Rod Rosenstein, right? It was the firing of James Comey. And why was that? Well, they fired James Comey, and Rod Rosenstein writes a memo about why the administration's firing Dave James Comey that Donald Trump adopts right, that Donald Trump signs off on. And that memo says, James Comey uh, meddled politically in the 2020, in the 2016 election by um, bringing up random news about Hillary Clinton and not handling the Hillary Clinton affair in an objective way. And Trump's like, fine, that's the reason to fire him. Okay. 
And then Trump, for no reason at all, gives an interview to Lester Holt, where he contradicts his own assistant, his own deputy attorney general on the reasons for James Comey's firing, putting him in a terrible position in his own department. And it was a complete own goal. There was no reason to even do that interview. There was no reason to say something that was contrary to what your own administration had put out. Like he and as a result, like that was like the catalyst that kicked off the special counsel investigation. So there's a value to having the ability to put out disciplined communications as an administration, right? And Trump is an un, incredibly undisciplined communicator. And sometimes it's freewheeling and fun, but other times it really screws you. And this is a case where it really screwed him. Well, um, uh, if I play not even devil's advocate, but yeah. you know, having lived through this and seen it, yeah. uh, some are gonna say, okay, there's literally nothing he could have said or not said that would have avoided it as of that position, as of that time. Say yeah, nothing. I don't agree with that because Rod Rosenstein was his subordinate, right? Like if he had talked with Rod Rosenstein and not publicly contradicted him, right, on on an issue as central, as important as the firing of James Comey, this would have been avoided, right? It was his administration that appointed the special counsel. And his, I mean, they're, all he needed to do was listen to his lawyers. That's And this is actually a consistent theme through like the, pro, where you're talking about the problems in the Trump administration, like the failure to take the good advice from his lawyers and like on things that did not have any substantive impact, right? Just literally on like his rhetoric. And it's, and, and as a result, like the administration was like hobbled from day one. And I think part of the reason, you know, there's a lot of reasons I prefer to Santos, but one of them is like, I've seen how his administration works firsthand. I literally worked in the Capitol and when they need to be, when they're doing something important that, a lot they know will get legal scrutiny. The communications are incredibly disciplined. Everybody is on the exact same page. We're all saying everybody's saying the exact same thing about the reasons why the administration is doing something, right? And nobody goes off script. And that's and that's valuable because it means that you actually achieve your goals. It means you win. It means courts don't start saying, oh, this was pretextual. Oh, you, you know, you have other people saying things, you going crosswise. Like DeSantis is incredible. And his team is incredible at ensuring discipline and communications. Uh, I, I'm trying to fact check one thing in real time. Yeah. Um, Rosenstein created the Mueller investigation. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, uh, uh, in virtue of what authority did he do that? Uh, or are you saying? You say, you say he's a, he, is a, he had authority because uh, Sessions had recused himself, right, from covering Russia. And so basically under under special counsel under like the regulations and the basically the special counsel whoever holds the post of attorney general has the authority to appoint a special counsel okay i'm gonna have to check something afterwards but okay so um well let's start with let's start with i mean so item number one he didn't fire the right people he didn't uh, hire the right people he i don't think there's anything he could have done to avoid the Mueller investigation silence or vocalness because it was going to happen regardless because it had been hyped up for the last six months. I mean, I just, I don't agree with that. Also, I don't agree with, I mean, there's also the fact that if he wanted to, he could have fired those people right off the bat too. He's still the president. Remember this is, he is the president of the United States. He has exact, he has all the executive authority. And that includes like, he can ve essentially say, oh, you know, the DOJ has internal regulations about how a special counsel is appointed. Well, he's the president. He can just ignore them and impose his will on the Department of Justice. I mean, he didn't need to let that happen. Okay, and then, I mean, then, then if, I, I'm, con I, it's, 
I, it's not Monday morning quarterback. It's just ignoring that they would have there was there would have been nothing that he could have done. Fire them, dismiss it. Then there would have been if there would have been a third impeachment. It just would have started with another one that he's interfering with an ongoing investigation into Russia collusion, impeachable offense. Um, the the okay, fine. So when do you when? What is there a specific catalyst under the Trump administration where you say this is it, uh, no longer supporting him? Or, or, or I'll, there wasn't one under the on the administration itself, right? I was I was supported the Trump administration. I was in Philadelphia in 2020. I don't know if you recall the video of the poll watcher getting kicked out of a polling place that went viral on election day. It was in Philadelphia. Like that was everybody reposted it. It was like the th- I actually think I'm, I'm personally responsible for kicking off stuff that steal as a hashtag because that tweet had stopped the steal. And you, there's actually been articles written about it, how it went viral after that tweet. Um, so I was volunteering to help the Trump campaign in 2020 uh, and wanted him to win re-election. Um, I, you know, I guess if you're talking about like where I was not happy, I was certainly after about late November, uh, I was of the belief that there was absolutely no possibility of any of this, like it, essentially all the attempts to try and fight uh, the election results were doomed to fail post was starting on like at least December 1st. And so I was not happy with like the whole attempt to start January 6th and like to bring people to the Capitol. I thought it was all dumb. Um, And it's like, I couldn't articulate fully why, like I didn't predict what would happen, for example, but I just, I saw it as a case. It's like, not this can't possibly accomplish the ends that it's being designed to accomplish. I think at the time I even placed bets that, you know, unpredicted at the time, you could place bets on whether Joe Biden would take office. And this is after the election, December 1st, when, you know, almost most of the results had been confirmed, like certified at least. And people were still saying there was like a 15% chance that Trump would be president. (laughs) I just made a bunch of money betting against them because there was like a 0.01% chance in reality. Um, And so I didn't, I didn't approve of that. Um, Certainly after January 6th, I was, you know, I I already, after he lost the election, I had already kind of made a decision that like, well, clearly we should move on here. I didn't even think that Trump would consider running again. Um, and so, I, well, you know. if, if, let me stop you there. You say as of let's say as early as December 2016, uh, you know, you don't feel the legal challenges are going to succeed. Yeah. Uh, why? Oh, because uh, the part of two reasons. One is that the you know, they were clearly not ready for this in the sense that like the they were, they were very late. They were very slow getting those challenges filed. And then the second reason is you had people like Lynn Wood and City Powell filing things that were absolutely insane. Um, like legal documents that were incoherent, um, completely like no, hadn't seen a proofreader, like, you know, typos on the everything everywhere. Uh, and just terrible, terrible arguments that- If I, if like, I may stop no you there though. Support. L- yeah, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Linwood and Sidney Powell are not filing them for and on behalf of any official Trump campaign or Trump request. Sure, but Sidney Powell's like, you know, Trump put Sidney Powell up there next to Rudy Giuliani at one of those famous press conferences and had her, her go off. Basically, the entire thing got covered with the stench of incompetence. Um, is there any and, part of you, is there any part of you that thinks that, that thinks that this might have actually been overt sabotage? There's as many Republicans who want Trump out as there are Democrats. I don't think it was overt sabotage. I mean, I think it was part of the problem is it's just there's too much. I'm not a big conspiracy believer if the conspiracy requires a lot of people to be involved because too many people would leak it. So I don't think it was overt sabotage. I think it's as simple as uh, they were um, incredibly behind the eight ball. It wasn't just one state. They they had four states that they had to challenge. Uh, They didn't have a great legal team on, you know, so, you know, on that they had, they didn't really just did not have like 
the legal firepower they needed to challenge us if they were ever were going to. And then they, you know, let basically they passively kind of let other people like Sidney Powell and would take the lead filing lawsuits that were insane. Um, so I just thought it, I thought it was pretty clearly doomed. Uh, and I thought like, okay. And, and part of me is just also, I, I think from my perspective, like the mark, I, I was there in Philadelphia and I kind of got a view of fraud that was interesting. Right. So I saw, you know, they kicked the poll watcher out of the polling place with my own eyes. I filmed it. I watched it. Um, I did another periscope where there was an incident at a polling place where a literal, a poll worker, a Democrat poll worker had cast an illegal vote because they had voted absentee already. And instead of voting provisionally on, or this, sorry, not that they had voted absentee, but they had received an absentee ballot. And in, in Pennsylvania, if you receive an absentee ballot, if you want to vote on election day, you need to present it in person to get a real ballot. Otherwise you have to vote provisionally. This poll worker refused to do that and just went ahead and voted straight away. The entire apparatus of, of RNC politicos descended on this public school in Philadelphia to deal with this one vote that might've been illegal or was illegal. Um, and it made me realize it's like, okay, if, th if this is able to bring everyone that I was seeing at Trump headquarters, if this is able to bring 20 people to deal with this one vote, like there's some shenanigans, but there isn't mass fraud, right? There isn't like the level of fraud that would essentially overturn, you know, tens well, and tens but, of thousands yeah, of but because you use the word fraud and then the question is going to be if it's if it's if it's the result of recently changed regulations then it's not fraud with the capital f but what it is is uh constitutionally invalid ballots or votes that could be challenged i, I, I agree if challenged. that there's an there's that issue in pennsylvania but there's 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 three or four other states too and and trust me i'm not a fan of mail-in voting i think that well, my, it opens you, up the possibility of mass fraud well i mean everybody um, everybody knows that anybody who denies it is just not even listening to what they were saying 10 years ago but yeah. um the question was this though so you say they're, they're doomed to fail in december in your in your view but from what you're mm -hmm. describing it sounds more on a procedural uh strategic level and not on a substantive level the question that i have for all desantis supporters is to me and i didn't i didn't mean to like reduce mm -hmm. you to a desantis supporter my question to you is it sounds like you're acknowledging that there were uh, shenanigans afoot mm -hmm. for the election and that their mistake was not on the substance, but rather on the strategy through which to challenge it legally. I think there's, it's not, I think for me, it's substantively unclear whether or not there was sufficient fraud. It's un, I view it as very unlikely, right? That's how I'll put it, right? I think it's very unlikely that there was sufficient fraud to overturn the election. Not impossible and not provably false, but unlikely. Um, I think substantively they were always going to have they, the challenges also were probably going to fail, um, even if they got past these procedural hurdles. Um, large, I mean, it's four states. They had to win in all four. They weren't just trying, you know, well, this wasn't a one state issue. It's a four state issue. I, well, I'll, so, I'll, I'll disagree. I mean, I would disagree with you there and say if they've proven fraud, uh, fraud or constitutionally invalid ballots in one state, that is the catalyst of the victory. Well, then it, it, uh, uh, there might be enough of a push to say, redo because if it's proven in one state well it wouldn't have impacted the other states well we don't know that and so well i mean but that's distinct to pennsylvania like the pennsylvania issue is the the fact the votes were constitutionally infirm in pennsylvania because of a particular provision in the Pen pennsylvania yeah. constitution right and, um, and i'm thinking i'm thinking wisconsin also wisconsin was the indefinite confinement right where they had two hundred and twenty thousand ballots uh from covid uh indefinitely confined which some people might argue legally are in fact constitutionally invalid Right. I mean, I guess like that's the best, you know, the best you can hope for is like some sort of redo out of that. But I don't know. I, I thought these, you know, it was just very clear, like 
you know, maybe those would have worked if they had had more time or better lawyers or were quicker or, or, or judges, that challenges, would have... but they weren't ready. And, and, and here's another point, which is sort of connected to the, the extreme ownership thing I was talking about. Like the way I view it is like that's on Trump and his team and they didn't have that ready. Like they weren't ready for it. It's like, OK, like I, I, I'm not I'm not angry at you, but then I'm also not patient with the like one of the big tensions and things I found very frustrating about like Trump 2024 is it's like. You know, I say, oh, well, well, you're not president. You didn't, you lost. And they're like, no, 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 we won. It's like, okay, you won. All right. You sure? I mean, you can't prove that, obviously. Like, you can't prove that you had the votes. You say things were unfair, but you didn't, whatever, you you at the time had more power to stop shenanigans than you ever would have. You were the president of the United States vested with the full power of the federal government. Now you're a private citizen. And the idea that you're going to be more able to deal with fraud and more able to fight these shenanigans as someone who is as a private citizen than you were as president, just, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, well, I think and, that you- And yeah. to, to defend, not to defend you, but to legitimize some of this critique, uh, Robert Barnes and I, we, we were, I, mean, I remember now in retrospect, starting in 2020, when there were private litigations and settlements, I think it was in Georgia, the, the, Demo- the DN- or DNC or mm-hmm. Democrat activist organizations, you know, they were entering into settlements as to changing the rules for mail-in ballots. And uh, Barnes and I, you know, at the time it was more him. He's saying like, they're a little bit behind the ball in the pre-election litigation. They haven't hired the best team for the election litigation. All that being said, all right, but if there was uh, fortification afoot, which there was, and it, it you know, not, fraud, not broad enough to impact the election is something we'll never know, but it existed. And you acknowledge that it existed, mm-hmm. but the criticism is he didn't do a good enough job fighting the corruption. Um, I mean, I'll get into whether or not you have no idea how corrupt it is to fight back, whether or not DeSantis and his idealism can do it. That He who has never done has never made the mistake yet. But if you acknowledge that the system is so fundamentally corrupt that it would change the rules, it would um, arguably constitutionally invalidate certain ballots, and then the corruption of the system is that which would not hear the cases on the merits, so you're going to drop support for the person who is the victim of that. That, that's where I have the biggest objection or the biggest problem to all of this is even if it's right, what you're basically saying is, yeah, he didn't do a good enough job fighting the corruption of the system and was a victim to it. So we're, we're going to abandon him. Yeah, I don't, I'm sorry. Well, my view, it's not abandon him. It's that you don't get a mulligan. Like, I, I, especially when we have a guy like DeSantis, who's a Harvard trained lawyer and who's <clears throat> much more legally sophisticated. Well, Will, I'll stop you there. Some people might think the Harvard-trained lawyers, uh, four of whom on the Colorado bench just uh, voted to get, or, you know, agreed to get Trump off the ballot. Harvard-trained might not make them smarter and street smarter. It might, it might actually make Makes them more ruthless, the problem. right? Like this is, and I, the thing is, I, I mean, I'm, you know, this is one of my theses and, and the campaign's never going to adopt this. This is my thesis, right? Republicans haven't really tried the, uh, you know, haven't gone the lawyer route in a while for, for president. And, you know, there's this, you know, the broad thesis of Trump is like, oh, he's a deal maker. We need somebody who makes deals. And I look at the modern Democratic Party and I'm like, we don't want to make it deals with these people. We want to use power and wield it and impose it on them. And to do that, you need somebody who walks into the White House and understands in detail what are his powers. Right. And to me, Trump doesn't do that. Trump was like a novice pilot in a 747 when it came to his powers under the Constitution. He didn't know what buttons he could press. He pressed a few buttons. And it's the big, I think DeSantis actually laid this out pretty elegantly, I think maybe yesterday, 
where he described this distinct difference between how Trump is perceived in, and the media narrative around Trump and the actual Trump, right? The media narrative is Trump was this tyrant. He used all his power abusively. Uh, and if he was came into power again, he'd be a dictator. And I laugh at this because my view of Trump is the opposite. He's a pussycat in office. He didn't wield the powers available to them. I mean, there's other examples I can bring up. The wall, the national emergency declaration, dear Lord. Um, but basically, Trump is not that legally sophisticated. He didn't have a good understanding of his powers. He tried some things very early on with things like the travel ban, got huge blowback, didn't really. And then after that, he basically was like, whatever, left the machine on autopilot. But um, the, and I want somebody who's a much more legally sophisticated guy because I want the the for the populist movement, I want our Obama, not in the sense of like what he did substantively. Right. Obama doesn't agree with us, but I want somebody who is as effective at advancing our objectives as Obama was a, effective at advancing Democrat objectives. And I think the guy who's going to put up W's on the board for us is DeSantis. Uh, all, this is what I think is unfair about what you're saying right now is that your perspective of what Trump should have done, the powers that he could have wielded, other than being untested, they have the benefit of the last, what, what is it now? Eight years of seeing the degree to which a corrupt regime will sabotage, will attack, will try to jail somebody. And you say like, okay, well, you now know this and are holding this standard to Trump in 2016. I don't think anybody could have foreseen the degree and the depths of depravity to which the left would sink to sabotage, to lie, to spy, uh, to, to, to persecute. And so you have this hindsight now that you're holding against Trump at the time when he's got the same hindsight now and arguably is the only one who's had direct experience of this type of corruption. And yet somehow you think DeSantis, who has never experienced it, uh, if you want to uh, he's experienced a lot of nonsense coming at him from the Florida there, Democrats. Remember, there's, he's been there's nonsense. Six years with a very hostile um, press and, and hostile Florida Democrats, and he beat, he's just beaten them nonstop. Well, it, it, there's hostile, and then there's trying to lock him up hostile, okay? And, and he's got two young kids, and you know may, maybe he's not that much of a threat to them yet where they even see this as the necessary means. But for anybody who, th and I keep saying this, for anybody who thinks that they will not indict DeSantis, for human trafficking, fraudulent, you know, uh, inducements. For anybody who doesn't think they'll do that, if he's seen as a threat, uh, and if they don't do it, it's because they don't see him as a threat, which could be a problem. This is the itself. difference. This is the difference. If DeSantis is president, he won't be indicted for any of that stuff by the federal government. You know why? Because his attorney general will be a loyalist to DeSantis personally. He won't be just some random guy. He'll be a loyalist, and his Department of Justice will run exactly the way he wants it to. Unlike. Donald Trump, who's just not legally sophisticated and didn't understand that the Department of Justice wasn't independent. And this isn't a hindsight thing. This is a thing that was obvious at the time because I was berating him about it at the time. Um, the Department of Justice, th this is not uh, Israel, where the attorney general's office is separate from the government and the government doesn't have any control of the attorney general's office. The attorney general is a presidential appointee. He serves at the pleasure of the president. He can be fired whenever the president wants to, and the president makes the next appointment. It's the president's job to ensure that to take care of the laws be faithfully executed. And DeSantis understands that. He's ex explained this in detail on the campaign trail repeatedly. You can find plenty of video about it. This, the difference is, I think people are too black-pilled in this distinct sense. They think that the sort of attack that Trump faced from within his own administration is inevitable under any Republican administration. No. It's certainly, there might be people who try a stunt like this, but the president has sufficient power if wielded and properly to defeat any sort of internal insurrection from the Department of Justice. Those people work for him. Your employees, 
ultimately those people don't get to pull all these shenanigans. They're your employees. So like, I think this is where, again, back to the original thesis, it is, if we have the chance to have somebody in office who is in the America first wing on policy, but substantially more legally sophisticated, that's going to be a better outcome for our movement. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, I, some might disagree with that, but I'll say one thing. I mean, a, a, a chatter, a chatter, a comment in uh, Rumble says, you know, DeSantis has the majority government in Florida. So that's a, one material distinction between that and having insiders literally trying to sabotage you from within your own party. Trump had basically here's the difference. Remember, it, when they started, Trump and DeSantis were in functionally the same position. Both of them, Trump had bare majorities in the House and Senate. So did DeSantis. DeSantis didn't win by big margins in 2018, right? He won by half a point over Andrew Gillum. The difference is DeSantis was a much more effective wielder of his executive power. And it was so effective and so popular that he transformed a half point victory into a 20 point landslide in a state that historically had been very purple. You know, this is the hanging Chad state. This is the state that, you know, the go back to 2000, Bush v. Gore, the entire country was like, you know, over a few hundred votes decided who was president in Florida. Now it's a red state 20 point landslide for DeSantis. The guy knows how to wield the executive power effectively and just is an absolute bulldozer. And and this is in terms of like, you look at what he'd managed to do on his domestic agenda. He got as much as he could done with the power he had in 2018, which was substantial, one, and then did a whole lot more in 2022 once he had his supermajorities. Um, and it's like, I think people are just honestly... Like, again, I try very hard not to critique Trump supporters because I was one and I I have a lot of sympathy for Trump supporters, a lot of empathy, I guess. But like, I think people are just like a little too forgiving, I guess, on this point or just like DeSantis is more legally sophisticated. I mean, people have been trying all sorts of games against him and he fights them off. I mean, a good example of this, like the Trump campaign tried to like file a not the Trump campaign, sorry, the Trump super PAC. tried to file a ethics complaint against DeSantis. It got batted away because, you know, DeSantis had stalked his ethics committee with people who were on his team. So even in a world, it wasn't substantively true. It was a BS complaint, but it was just never going to succeed. DeSantis is much better at the sort of legal and bureaucratic chess that it requires to actually be president and manage a hostile bureaucracy than Trump ever was. Let me do something here. I'm going to bring up there's some there's some questions in the Rumble Rant section of this. Now I'm going to try we'll try to go quickly um, because there's a few that I want to highlight. Par, uh, let me see. Ginger, ginger, not to ignore all of them. There's one that I know that I, Trump only challenged Georgia. Everything else was people co-opting on behalf of Trump. Says Ginger Ninja. Um, I won't get to the Vivek question. Will, are you saying a better challenge would have been heard by the court? You think the courts were unbiased arbiters from Ginger Ninja? This is, this is the, the, the... Will, would the I mean, if, if you can see that there was some voter fraud, just the tip, um, but that they did a bad job bringing it to the courts and somehow uh, DeSantis will miraculously, you know, do a better job faced with similar fraud and the courts will be amenable to hearing it. Uh, I don't know how to finish the second part of that question other than to say, uh, you know, b- based on what other than uh, a, a dream and a wish. I, well, I mean, I think DeSantis would have been more effective at the pre-election litigation. I think I think the Trump team found themselves very much behind the eight ball because they did so poorly in the pre-election litigation. And it's just a, I don't know that there's 
ever a good way to make. Basically, once you lose on the numbers on election day, the odds that you will be able to challenge something within like the six week period that you get are extraordinarily low. So I'm not saying that DeSantis would have been better, you know, if you put them both in the same exact position on election day 2020 and then say, you both are in charge of the White House. You have to figure out how to stay in power. I would have said both. Nobody's going to stay in power. And in fact, DeSantis would have probably not even bothered with all this stuff and just said, like, no, we're taking the L. We didn't get it done. Um, but what I'm saying is that because he's a lot more legally sophisticated and because he's hire people who are more legally sophisticated, who are loyalists to him, the pre-election period would not have been dominated by Mark Elias winning litigation in every single state, including red states. It would have like Republicans would have started won some of those, you know, those cases. He would have just been much more on top of it. And I think that's also that's to me, that's a logical conclusion from Trump's general legal lack of legal sophistication and constantly getting tripped up by the courts throughout his presidency. Whereas it's on the other hand, in, in Florida, it's DeSantis imposing his will using the legal system, being very sophisticated and using his executive power. I mean, a really good example of this is <clears throat> DeSantis is the only guy who's fired a source prosecutor and he's fired two of them. Right. Yeah. He, but, but some people are going to argue that he's, he did that specifically because he's channeling a very Trump-esque type style. I mean, Trump, it's completely different than like Trump fired Comey and just found himself in a world of pain and and again, didn't put out disciplined communications. And as a result, like the Russia investigation started when I'm talking about like disciplined communications, like, did you see when DeSantis put out the message about why these people were fired? Did, and was there any disagreement? Was there any like, were, were people talking differently about it? Like there was a very specific reason that these people were fired and the administration from top to bottom was disciplined about communicating that it was for that reason. And as a result, like it's, you know, they, they've succeeded. I think the most recent news is that Andrew Warren, who was the Tampa area prosecutor who was fired, was not going to run for re-election because he felt like he had completely been defeated. That's, that's what we want to do. We want to impose the kind of defeats legally on the left that the left managed to impose on Trump. If we want to do that, we, I mean, the way we're going to do that is with substantially more legal sophistication from the top down. And that starts with a commander in chief who's extremely legally sophisticated. I'm going to read these. Arkansas crime attorney says, completely agree, Fivo. This is why we need people with, uh, this is why I have a problem with people like this. Harvard trained lawyers are not, is not the people I want. Harvard invalidated DeSantis. I don't know what that means. Ginger Ninja says, you're holding contradictory arguments. Trump did a poor job on proving the election was stolen. DeSantis would have done a better job at the challenges. The election probably wasn't stolen. That's a fair, that's a fair critique. Um, that the, the election was legit. Well, I guess you could, you could, I can, I can make that. You make both arguments. I, I don't uh, see you, you can make right. a match. You say like, it, 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 even if there was a minimal amount of fraud, DeSantis would have been better. It's fair enough. Okay. Well, that, that, we won't hold that against you as a, a determinate flaw in your argument. Hold on. Let me just get a couple more of these because there's some good ones in here. How do I do this? Here, I'll bring it up here. Uh, DeSantis started challenge, uh, channeling Trump more eloquently. However, after he announced presidential run, he started acting like the politician he is. We're going to get to that, actually. Um, and Will, I'll give you credit for being more honest on in his reasons. I see him no different than a bl- I, I see him no different than blind Trump supporters that cannot admit Trump made mistakes. He is kidding himself with all the legal arguments. And Vivek filed an amicus brief in support of Trump to keep him on the ballot. Thoughts? Yeah, I like Vivek. Um, okay, some people are going to say this is the number one criticism. 
you say all these things about how he's amazing and, and would wield executive powers, would manage the executive, would govern to the... He can't run his own campaign. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't expect anybody who... Well, this who, is the Nikki Haley argument. Right? Oh, I don't care who it is. I mean, a, a good argument is a good argument. The well, dude, no, you, the, 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 this is not a good argument. And here's why. Basically, all the talk about he can't manage his campaign is about the super PAC, which he's legally barred from interacting or coordinating with. Like, if well, the hold, on, against, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me stop you there. That, now you have a, a, an inconsistency. Trump is yeah. being held to account because of what other lawyers do in other lawsuits not related to him. But DeSantis is, gets a free pass on his shitty super PAC who seems to be making a fool of him. He's literally legally barred from managing it, right? He can't. If he did anything to coordinate, he'd lose, he'd get an FEC violation. This is different from like your voluntary association with lawyers, right? They didn't have, Rudy didn't have to let Sidney Powell go up on stage. Right, like well, she, in, 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 in fairness there, she went up twice, the first and the last time, and then Trump right. said, get the hell away from this woman. Yeah, right. Well, in, in any event, I think, as I said, I, I don't think it's so much, like, I think he did a poor job. I mean, I, th I mean, it was a shit show post-election, you know, period. I don't necessarily think a much better job would have led to a different outcome if you, you know, if you've already lost all the pre-election litigation. I want to make that clear, right? I think that ultimately, you know, you lose all that pre-election litigation, you're not going to, you're going to need to win by a lot more votes. Let's put it that way, right? You're going be, to be on the margin of fraud as Barnes would right, say. Exactly. <laughs> um, but the, I guess the, the, the substantive point on this, I, I lost my train of thought. The, it the was idea um, that, the Nikki Haley argument. Oh, the Nikki Haley argument. Yeah. Like he literally can't manage the super PAC. He can't, he just can't. I mean, it's, I trust me. I, I know he wishes he could. Like the super, like, I know he wishes he could manage the super PAC. He can't, um, he can't manage it. So it's not. I, well, I, th I, I think, look, I, I, I can't, I don't know the nuance of, of presidential campaigns to know exactly yeah. where all of these subtleties lie. I don't think there's anybody out there. I'm not asking you for your opinion on this. I don't think there's anybody out there, even on the DeSantis camp, who thinks the campaign is being run properly. I don't know that it can be as easily attributed solely and exclusively to this pack. Uh, I think well, that, I well, think it's been run badly. I mean, I, I like DeSantis. This is what people don't seem to understand. I moved to Florida. I like DeSantis as a governor. And I'm actually disappointed because whether or not he wins or loses, right now he's losing in a way that's discrediting, almost undermining his legacy. And it upsets me to see. I mean, I think that, I mean, personally, I think the DeSantis campaign has been like held to a much like, I don't know. I think they've been treated pretty harshly. Um, but what I will say about this is the number, and this has been publicly stated by, uh, the people, I think the numbers, the polling started going the wrong direction, um, when Trump got indicted, you know, and it's like, you can actually trace it. It's like the day well, of the first yeah. indictment is when- I, I, I might, I might agree with you. It, yeah. the, his numbers might've started attack, tanking when Trump got indicted because he stabbed him in the back. Like everyone was talking about stabbing him in the back, having run for president despite the endorsement. Forget that. He stabbed him in the back when he comes out and says, I don't know what goes into a hush money payment. Uh, that's a stabbing in the back. Man, I, like that's when I started losing it with-, with I mean, with the, the thing is, it's like, I don't, I don't begrudge him that because Trump stabbed him in the back like right before his reelect. I mean, go back three, to, three days before the reelection. In, uh, in the, 2020. The, in 2022. 2022. Right? Okay. Trump's doing a rally and is insulting DeSantis three days before he's running for re-election. Like Trump isn't running at that point. At that point, right, like three days before a general, the Republican should be pro-Republican, period, right? There shouldn't be any infighting. We're facing Democrats, right? And Trump insulting him. And throughout, before DeSantis even ran, like it was just nonstop personal attacks on DeSantis, on, like all throughout that time, right? Like from Trump personally, from his surrogates, like, 
just insulting him constantly, right? Why? Because he wouldn't, because DeSantis wouldn't endorse, right? DeSantis wasn't willing to endorse yet. And as a result, just endless vitriol. So the idea that DeSantis would like get a dig into Trump and all of a sudden it would be seen as this betrayal given months of unreturned vitriol from Trump personally and his campaign. I mean, it's just, it's like, you want, you, you expect DeSantis to be loyal to a guy who wasn't remotely loyal to him, who was like, so I, I don't see a reason like DeSantis did his job. DeSantis got an endorsement in 2018 and did what he delivered, helped deliver Florida for Trump in 2020, was very positive on Trump during Trump's administration. The idea that Trump is owed this permanent loyalty is nonsense. Uh, in our locals community, Astral Doge Plays says politicians love to donate to their PACs, but they have no control over them whatsoever. Okay. Then we've got S, no, sorry, Jay Stevenson says DeSantis put those people into his PAC. Also, he's coordinated with the with that pack in unprecedented closeness. Which pack are we talking about? No, uh, never back down. Never back down. Okay. Um, in as much as you're allowed to, you know, talk about this, do do, do I do, I don't know who he put into these packs and what he coordinates with them. What's what's? Do you know of any truth? To that? I don't know. I don't know the details, and I didn't learn any details when I was on the campaign. So, like anything I say on this is just like my. I'm in the same boat you y'all are in terms of like relying on publicly reported information. All right, and then we got um, Kay Koulian says, isn't DeSantis in trouble for directly coordinating with the super PAC? No, I mean, the Trump campaigns try to file like ethics complaints against him because Trump's a snitch too. <laughs> like, sorry, this is another reason I, I get annoyed with like Trump complaining about weaponization all the time. He's like, oh, it's so unfair. They're weaponizing. It's unfair to try and kick candidates on the ballot. Meanwhile, they're trying to kick DeSantis off the ballot. For well, I, I mean, I, th I think they're trying to give DeSantis not a taste of his own medicine, but a taste of the Democrats' own medicine. And in, in as much as, you know, oh, there's that's no... Ex it, that's excuses, excuses. No, but no, it's not, like, it's you not want, it, You it's want not there excuses. to be unity between the Republicans... Well, I don't care. Everybody's being to Trump. You don't. You don't pull these shenanigans. Well, so, well first anyway. of all, if you if you also say that there's no loyalty owed, and then fault someone for snitching, I mean, these are sort of those are mutually incompatible. He's, if, well, if no, it's no... because of all the, it's because of the nonsense that like he doesn't but know any loyalty. He did this, right? okay. and like there's the demands for loyalty constantly from DeSantis. Like, well, you need to support Trump and his blah 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 blah. Well, I mean, I think I think I, mean, I I I understand those arguments, but um, okay, so hold on a second. Now, I, actually, I forgot this part. When did you get involved in the DeSantis campaign? Oh, uh, uh, June of this year. Oh, no, June of last year, rather. June, uh, of 20, like... June 2022? No, it's got to be June, June 2023. 2023. Okay. Six, like roughly six months ago. Um, what was your, what, I'm going to ask a lot of questions. I'm nosy, and if you can't answer or it's too personal, don't. Sure. Um, what, what was your capacity or what capacity were you working as? I was in the communications, messaging, talking points, stuff like that. All right, I'm going to ask you the question I asked. Um, have I asked? I've asked it publicly. Mm -hmm. Do they pay? Does this campaign pay social media influencers? Not. I'm not naming anybody. Not Cardillo. Not. Uh, not Ruben, who doesn't need this for a hole in the wall. Do I, I presume all campaigns engage in social media influence, pay influencers to put out positive messages, like the government of Canada did for COVID? Do, does the campaign do this? Are you allowed to say answer? I think I can't. I mean, like I will say, like I can say this. Everything I know about the campaign outside of it, right, from not being employed, is the answer is no, right? Um, but I can't discuss anything. I can't discuss, like, the inner workings of the campaign. Okay. And from the outside, the answer is no. And that would be, like, here's 5,000 bucks. Put up a put up a favorable post to a random social media guy with uh, 50,000 I would followers. be shocked. Just from my outside experience, I'd be shocked. 
All right, now like, this is this like, is another question. I've, I've, this, this is, is not where... how the kid is seeing as Camprey. It just I, I can't I, like just in, from a, from an influencer perspective, like as a person who was invited to things before joining the campaign, right? I I was, for example, invited to go to the the reelection win, um, and so I, I and I talk with other influencers in that in that context. It's like we didn't, you know, you got invites to go to events to celebrate his victories. Like people, influencers got like invites to go to the inauguration. They didn't pay you to come. Right. You, you bought a ticket. If you wanted to go to the inauguration, you bought a ticket and paid your way. If you wanted to go to um, whatever you bought a ticket and paid your way. I, I don't I like I, I think that's all that stuff is just like manufactured hearsay from from Trump world. That's just I, I uh, don't think it's true. OK, uh, fair enough. And the question is this also, is there like overt coordination? Because where we got we, we've had our back and forths and part of our back and forths um, have to do with what I what I perceive to be is like, if it's not overtly coordinated, it certainly looks that way on the same day you've got Stephen Dace, uh, Justin Hart, you, any number of others posting that picture of Trump saying he looks old, yada, yada. Messaging is virtually identical. Timing is virtually identical. Is it organic or is it strategic? It's organic. I didn't talk with anybody about posting those photos. I just did it. I thought, I thought they were, they made an important point. Right. Like, you know, it doesn't take much to like see those photos and be like, that's a that's part of the attack. Right. Like this is another I, I'm a firm believer that, sorry, 77 is too old to be president. Like any any if I were invested in a company and they made a seven, 77 year old CEO, I'd I'd sell my stock like it's just and the presidency is too important. You need a you need a man in his prime. Well, that, so. that, that, that's why the, the people will just radically disagree. There's some things like of course, I made the analogy. I, like, you know, part of the reason I've been posting those photos over and over again is it's like, I, I'll be honest, it's a little trolly. Like I get, you know, I, I see just, I get an enormous number of replies of people angry about me posting that photo. And I just, I'm like laughing because I'm like, well, now I'm monetizing these. This is X. So if y'all are going to be angry about me posting this photo, I'll keep posting. Well, I'll tell you, my, my, biggest, your money. My, my biggest problem with the photo is I, it, it, it appears as though it either might be not Photoshop, but, you know, you enhance sharpness. You can bring out wrinkles I'm or pretty, you're like, or you're just taking a photo. That photo. I stole it from somebody else. No, I'm I know. And I, sure I tried to post it by a Trump supporter. I'm well, no, I'm pretty I, sure. Well, the original post that I was trying to do like a reverse image search to see if I could find an original that looked, you know, when you put things through a sharpening filter, it'll make someone look older. A. B, when you take a, a hard flash of someone in a low light setting, it's going to make them look older. I saw Trump the night before. Didn't look like he did in that picture. So either he's looking tired on one. He was in makeup. I, I mean, part of the point of this is like there's there's this effort from Trump world to like make Trump seem like this youthful, vigorous figure. And he's a 77 year old man. And I mean, pretty, well, yeah. Right. Like this is, you know, this is like this reminds me of like Soviet Union era Brezhnev is super healthy type stuff. Like, I mean, he's 77. He's 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 should. I mean, there's a lot of wisdom there, I'm sure. But like we should somebody younger should be president. Like Biden is too old. Biden is, well, way, no, way, but, way too but, old. No, but Biden is not too old. He's demented. And I'm not saying that to make fun of him. Trump is not is neither too old nor demented. And some might argue that DeSantis is too young. I mean, I don't go for the too young argument if you have the record as experience. I mean, um, he's got six years as the governor, the third biggest, I think. The third yeah, no, no, I, 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 but I, I wouldn't go with too young versus too old. It, it's only a question of too competent or too incompetent versus competent. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think that, you know, well, as I've described, I, I saw Trump as having a lot of competence issues from 2016 to 2020 in terms of how he yeah, managed his administration. And, and the way I look at it is like, why would we assume that would get better? And I'll make one more point. This is, I think, something that people really aren't thinking about. 
in between 2016 and 2020, Trump was really tempted to do like to basically get curry the favor of the New York Times and celebrities. Like he had Kim Kardashian in the office doing criminal justice reform. He wanted to do amnesty. Like he was trying to appease the left all the time. And what pulled him back from that is just incredible pressure from the conservative base and Breitbart and whatever to be like, don't do that. You know, don't do amnesty. But like that was his natural inclination. Why does that work? Well, it's because he needed to win re-election, so he couldn't just alienate his voters. What happens when a 78-year-old Trump, who we know very much values the adulation of fellow celebrities and the adulation of the New York Times, what's he going to do when he's president and there's no more elections to win? Well, but I just, I, I see but, but will will coming. we're just going to make deal after deal with the left? Well, first of all, I think you answered your question, and that was going to be my next question. Someone with nothing to lose is going to be a much more formidable um, individual that doesn't need to negotiate. That's someone who's looking Only out for their political future. To. No, right? but like, well, I've, I, the argument you just made, I think, works as much against you as you might think it works for you. What's he? Why would he do it? He wouldn't, he wouldn't try to negotiate. He wouldn't try to uh, gain the adulation. He's got nothing to gain. He's got no second term. It's come in, clean house, and then make it nice for the next Republican that comes in in 2028. That should have been DeSantis. That would be the strongest argument. I mean, it's there, but I just, I, I think the, the much more likely scenario is one where he just does all these deals with Democrats on issues that... And, yeah, and but I, I, I think the logic, the logic to support that position is not there. I think that when you don't have to worry about perfectly there. Like what, what did he not have Kim Kardashian into the white house and like laud him, you know, sign exactly a, like this jailbreak bill that she wanted. Like, did that not happen? Or I mean, did, well, did but, he not have Lindsey, does he not still pal around with Lindsey Graham at every rally? You know, you talk about like people, people have tried to falsely impute a relationship between DeSantis and Paul Ryan, which doesn't exist. Paul Ryan endorsed the horrible Nikki Haley, right? Does it like, Lindsey Graham is still a Trump surrogate, guys. Like neocon number one, Lindsey Graham still a Trump surrogate. Well, now, now I, that you mentioned, like, now that you mentioned a uh, Ron, uh, what's not Ron Paul? What was his name? Paul Ryan, yeah. uh, endorsing Nikki Haley. What do you say about De uh, about Vivek's prediction that DeSantis is going to be VP for uh, for Nikki? I think that's ridiculous. The much more likely outcome is that Nikki Haley will be Trump's VP. Oh God, you you guys with they, it's so stupid. Will this was one of the, he needs the money. He's got legal fees up the ass. He wants the establishment votes. Ultimately, Trump is not Trump is not as ideologically committed as DeSantis is. Right? DeSantis actually is like much more ideologically committed to certain policy ideas. Well, wait, wait, I mean, which, which Paul? There's a number of things that I want to deal with. One, if, one if, of which is guys, if Lindsey Graham can be Trump surrogate number one in South Carolina, then Nikki Haley certainly who was already hired by Trump, let's not forget, already in Trump's administration, can certainly be his vice president. Well, she could certainly be. She just won't be because he's, I think he's publicly disavowed, at least through his kids, that it's, it was a bullshit. He's, he's, never squarely, he's never squarely said it. He's been Well, no, but, but I don't expect people to squarely say, state the obvious, like, hey, condemn violence. No, I'm never going to squarely condemn violence because it doesn't need to be squarely condemned for anybody with half a brain. I think Don Jr. came out and said it's it's, it's bullshit. The story Don Jr. Read said like he bullshit. would do everything in his power to stop it, which, and, and remember also, I saw, this is, you know, I love Jack. Don't get me wrong. Jack's my boy. Right. But I saw Jack and Bannon on War Room and they had a clip where Bannon's like, there's going to be a huge battle with the establishment to keep Nikki Haley off the ticket. I'm like, you know, I support a candidate who there won't be any battle at all. Like DeSantis has contempt for Nikki Haley. Like there's never been a question. Vivek has been the first person to try and even bring this up. It makes no sense. And moreover, DeSantis has said, one, he's not going to be VP. 
And I'm pretty sure he also said that he wouldn't, he wouldn't have Haley as a... As a well, we're going to say, I, I said it, if, if it turns out to be true, Vivek is going to be the smartest man in the room for a long time. Yeah. It's, it's almost, I won't say it's, I think it's a little bit less likely than uh, Scott Adams and uh, Laura, what's her name? No, and Coulter's predictions of Trump. Um, hold on, so the, the, there were two things that I wanted to get. The Nikki Haley story, that was one of the stories run in tandem. You, 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 don't, you don't sit down and meet with Steve Dace and Justin Hart and, and, and Cardillo to say, you know, or, 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 or DM. on Twitter. Like this is, I mean, it's this, I don't assume that there's a huge amount of coordination going on on the Trump side either because I understand how Twitter works, right? Basically, it's like, if you read Twitter, you see like interesting takes and interesting things that are getting engagement. And if something like seems fun to you, you just write a tweet about it. That's how it works. It doesn't require, like, I don't have DMs with Cardillo and being like, you know, oh, actually, I did have a DM with Cardillo that was like, after we had both posted on the same topic, he sent me, he's like, hey, they really don't like that photo, do they? And I'm like, no, they don't. Ha <laughs> ha. It's not coordination. We just did it on our own because we're, we know how social media works. Um, okay, it's, it's funny. Now, hold on. There were the other, I want to get to some of the, what I think are the weakest arguments. You got the old, the old age, the DeSantis is doing better. By the way, just, just so you know, and you should feel good about this, because a lot of my, a lot of my, you know, our community, they're not pro, they're, they're, they're pro-Trump, and I think for good reason. Uh, Will continues to argue in good faith, and that's refreshing. But I hear the overall argument, Ron is going to do what Don said he'd do, just better, but Ron says, the guy's crazy, I'm not that. Actually, I want to address that very specifically. Like, I want, you should go back and listen to the interview he did after the debate, the debate that just happened on CNN. Go listen to that interview, because repeatedly, Anderson Cooper presses DeSantis on, do you think Trump has the character to be president? And like DeSantis doesn't say like, no, he's blah, blah, blah. Basically DeSantis is like, well, he just didn't, he didn't fulfill his promises. He didn't do a good job on the wall. He didn't make Mexico pay for it. Well, so it's just, actually, thank you. One point, he didn't build the wall. How many miles do we concede that Trump actually built? 50. Okay, I think it's 400 to 500. That's why- like, but, but, I, but a good chunk of that is replacement, right? Of, of already existing barrier. So like, well, I mean, that, but that's 50 still... miles. All right. So you see, he got, is... oh, oh, I was so deep on this. This is, the, I didn't even talk about the national emergency. God, this was so ridiculous. Trump had the authority to use, to declare a national emergency to build the wall. I did huge numbers of periscopes and legal research on this, went public all the time. I'm sure he had plenty of people who were just as sophisticated in his White House that understood like he has the authority if he wanted to, to just use the executive authority at the time. Instead of doing that, he signed a bill with Schumer and Pelosi on board that had a provision that basically prohibited him from building any further wall. Like he just got completely snookered by the Democrats on the wall issue. And so, you know, all this nonsense about how he built the wall, like if you were there and like actually in the debate at the time and arguing in the weeds, it, it's the most like, it's just a joke. Like, no, he didn't. That's why, why do you think we have the record number of new illegal crossers every single day. Why is there a crisis at the border? If there was a wall, we wouldn't have the crisis. Trump didn't get it done, right? And I want, again, somebody who is much more effective and sophisticated at wheeling executive power so that we do get it done. And that's DeSantis. I'm gonna check something on the wall while we get to the next point. Um, sure. uh, which one was it? It was, um, okay, so we got, the, we got the old argument. We got the NBC article argument, the people running the wall. To be determined, it's why I can't, I can't do all the fact check in real time. If, there's, if the distinction is new wall versus replacement. And you can just say DeSantisLies.com. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I mean, look, we can agree on one thing. I loathe Nikki Haley. That, it, was, it, was, it was so stupid and so juvenile and so irritating. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, DeSantisLies.com. Oh, and then, and then what was the lie that he accused her of? It was about the uh, gas tax. And then she says, that's a lie. DeSantis lies. And then she says, meanwhile, she admitted the thing about the gas tax. Uh, oh, I forgot. It doesn't matter. She, her, I think her argument was something like, well, I, I, I was willing to do an increase in the gas tax commensurate with a decrease in income tax. So I wasn't proposing a net tax increase. And it's like, okay, but that doesn't mean DeSantis is lying. It's just like an unfair characterization, maybe. I don't know. Like, and and boy, if you want to look at unfair characterizations and talk about how Nikki Haley tried to call Thomas Massey an anti-Semite, that was pretty obnoxious. I hate, I can't stand that woman. No, I do Nikki, like Nikki, Rand Paul's anti-endorsement of Nikki Haley this morning. I thought it was oh, right on. Okay, now I remember the point. The, the, the major critique of DeSantis um, is what some people perceive, and, and I've got to say, I, I see it as well, a bit of flip-flopping on substantive issues depending on what some people allege are expectations of donors uh support for ukraine um whether or not he would support uh trump if trump were indicted and he were the nominee uh some of the chat's going to get me some of the other stuff that, that desantis has flip-flopped on uh refusing write these to write down so i cover them in order ukraine. well let's, just, let's 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 go with ukraine because the, uh, the argument is that he's uh i mean he's basically sucking and blowing when it comes to ukraine and some people, so, some people are saying that his position on that has been attenuated to the more war whore, warmonger, uh, war hawk type position because that's what the establishment wants. So I don't think that's true. Um, and, and here's why. So I think basically Trump, if you remember, DeSantis had that statement to Tucker Carlson calling the war in Ukraine a territorial dispute, right? That was like Tucker read it on, read it on air and was like, DeSantis is not a neocon, et cetera. And then DeSantis did an interview with Piers Morgan where Piers Morgan asked him if Vladimir Putin was a war criminal. And he was like, yes. And people are like, oh, you've changed your position. It's like, well, no, those positions are consistent. You can on the one hand say Vladimir Putin's a war criminal, which, you know, I mean, think about what did, what is the war crime that we convicted all the Japanese leadership of in World War II? Launching an aggressive war. The war in Ukraine is an aggressive war launched by Russia. Well, no, right? I think I th like, I, you'll correct me if I'm wrong on this. I think the war crimes in, in, in World War II had more to do with um, human experimentation, torture, uh, you know, go I don't go read the transcripts, dude. This is like what what was Tojo indicted for? What were Tojo and his allies indicted for? This is and his Confederates rather launching an aggressive war. That that was like war crime number one on the in the tribunal um, in Japan. So basically, like I don't think it's that you know saying that Vladimir Putin is a war criminal is a descriptive claim and not a normative one about what the United States policy should be in Ukraine. And in fact. I think saying Vladimir Putin is not a war criminal is actually a pretty hard argument to make, even if, you know, you don't think as a, I don't think we should be at war with Russia. I think our policy in Ukraine was horribly misguided. But like if you ask me like a simple yes or no on is Vladimir Putin a war criminal, the answer is probably yes. Now, what yeah, has I know I, I just I, the first thing I pulled up was that some of the Japanese war crimes included cannibalism, torture, uh, apparently eating soldiers. I forget the, where it was. It's an, but, it's, an, it's, an, it's an immaterial it's an immaterial uh, yeah. point for this discussion anyhow. Sure. Um, but I guess if you actually, again, and this is where I'd say like, try, you know, another thing for people to listen to if they don't believe me is to go watch the exchange between Haley and uh, DeSantis on Ukraine in this last debate. Like, I think DeSantis was pretty clear. Like, he's leaving himself, I'll say this, DeSantis is leaving himself some flexibility to negotiate the end of the war by not saying he'd instantly cut off all aid. But I, I think if you're thinking about it from a president's perspective, like if you're trying to end the war, you want to like, at least be able to go to, you know, in your negotiations with the Russians to be able to make a credible case 
that like, if you don't make a settlement with us, we will keep funding Ukraine, right? Otherwise, I don't know how you come to a deal. Um, but outside of that, like, he's like, no troops. We're way too concerned about Ukraine, not concerned enough about our border. We're funding Ukrainian pensions. That's absurd. Like, in general, <clears throat> the, you know, the DeSantis, DeSantis grounds his foreign policy in America first. Like, everything is about American interests. And that's consistent across the way he looks at things. And remember, this is a guy who was in Iraq. He understands and he's he's talked about how, um, like, watching the failure of the Iraq war, you know, profoundly shaped how he viewed foreign policy and how he has absolutely no time for the neocon hawks like Nikki Haley. And instead is like, we're going to have a very national interest focused foreign policy, which is, in effect, very similar to what Trump did. Um, and, you know, foreign policy is my number one issue, personally. Like, I care a lot about how we do foreign policy. So if I thought DeSantis was a neocon, I would not have worked for him. Like, I have contempt for nobody more than Bill Kristol. Like, but he's not. DeSantis is not a neocon. Um, and I think, like, people have made too much of, you know, that statement that he made on Piers Morgan about Putin being a war criminal to try and suggest that he's flip-flopping on Ukraine, when I really don't think he has. Um. Hold on, let me, let me add this, this, there's one in here. I want to read it just so that the person doesn't think I'm not reading it. Super Buff Shaft, very interesting name, says, This is sad, Viva. I sent you Jova Pulitzer's uh, Arizona Forensics Audit with RSBN Right Side Broadcast News on Rumble. And you and others can't even look. Don't presuppose, don't be judgmental. A lot of people send us a lot of stuff. Won't interview him. Okay, <clears throat> going to be nice and not assume that you're assuming ill intent. Only one to look at 2.1 million ballots. He has your 100% proof. Uh, on top of the videos of Ruby Freeman and others rerunning ballots in Georgia, 2,000 mules, tons of state hearings, only an OAN, only on OAN News. Do you read the Gateway Pundit? Come on, tons of proof, three years. And I'm not sure if that's intended to be as critical as it sounds of me, but um, okay, I've read it. And by the way, I've screen grabbed it and I do my best, everybody out there, but uh, a lot of requests come in on a daily basis. Plus, uh, the question is actually at this point in time, what you focus the emphasis on in terms of um, affecting change uh, for the imminent future. Mm -hmm. Okay, so calling, calling uh, Putin a war criminal might, some, according to some, display a, a, a very superficial, simplistic, media-based understanding of the conflict in Russia-Ukraine. I mean, maybe, or, or it could just have been a straight answer to a pretty simple question. Like, as I said, I think, I think the answer, I don't like American policy in Ukraine. I think it's been a disaster. I think we should be basically putting, you know, our, our ideal policy is one where we're like basically forcing Ukraine to the table and making, you know, if they have to make territorial concessions, so be it. But we need this war needs to come to an end. Um, and that should have been done a year ago. And I even given that that's my position, which is like in the scheme of positions, not friendly to Ukraine, I would still answer the question, is Vladimir Putin a war criminal with a yes? Like this is just a descriptive question about like what, you know, the actions that his army has taken and like what in launching an aggressive war. Arkansas crime attorney is a lawyer as well, um, mm -hmm. Will, and so he's a and he he makes a point, but I can I'll steal man it. Yeah, hold on. He just said foreign policy is my number one issue. Yet the first part will praise Trump and said the best part of Trump was his foreign policy. This is proven. Uh, this is proven, and this not DeSantis. That's uh, actually and that's the best case for Trump, right? I think that's the single best case for Trump, and I'd respect Trump and the, their team a lot more if they went for this argument, which is. Trump foreign policy is the thing the president has the most influence on. Trump did the best. Trump did a great job on foreign policy. DeSantis hasn't been tested in the same way on foreign policy, so we should go with the sure thing. Um, that said, I basically am relying on like having followed DeSantis very closely for a long time and knowing him pretty well to say I think DeSantis will be as good or better than Trump on foreign policy. And I think 
DeSantis will be much, much, much more effective on domestic policy and managing the White House and the executive branch. Um, you do not seem like one of the DeSantis supporters who will categorically or say whether or not what you do behind closed doors. You don't, you don't seem like the type who's going to say, I'm not going to vote for Trump if Trump is the nominee. Oh, no, I'll vote for Trump if he's the nominee. I'd vote for Trump over Haley, right? Like my, if you want my, can I did a candidate tier list on Twitter, which annoyed some people, but you know, DeSantis, Vivek, Trump, down on the floor is Haley. Like I, I, I'm not willing to let the party go back to to her like well i think you just made you made a lot of friends right there with that one answer and the funny thing is i swap out your desantis for trump and i'd go trump vivek desantis haley and it's only because i i I, as far as outsider goes i look uh desantis has been a good governor but a lot of the stuff that he's done during this campaign has caused me to question some judgment some loyalty not in the sense of uh, loyalty to trump but rather loyalty to a process I did not like the, the, the hush money question. I didn't like what he said about January Sixers. I think it's extremely, uh, it's, it's pandering to what I think he wants people to, what he thinks people want to hear that January Sixers was this horrible thing. And it's one of the narratives that I absolutely loathe and think that the DeSantis, hashtag Team DeSantis are dishonest for pushing that January Six was an insurrection. I don't know what your position is on that. I don't, th- I don't think he's ever considered it, said it's an insurrection. He, I mean, no, he, no, no, he, no I'm not trying to. I do. It's no, no, I'm not, I'm, not, right. I'm, not putting, I'm not putting words into his mouth about calling it an insurrection, but he said it's a disgrace, anti-American, whatever, whatever exactly he said. I'm not trying I to mean, put words a, in his mouth. Somebody asked him if it was a display of patriotism, and he said no. Right, that was the big uh, yeah, that was the it question that people got. That was on. the question. And I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. That was, it's the gist, not the, ver- not the verbiage. I mean, but, maybe, but like, I, I mean, you know, we can talk about January. I, I view it as a riot. Um, I was watching it. I was really disappointed. I know that like, there's this big thing about like how many federal law enforcement and was it provoked? And it's like, okay, okay, okay. But like, you know, there was still like a lot of bad behavior in the Capitol from Trump supporters. Like, but, but, I mean, yeah, you don't yeah, have to, it doesn't have to be an insurrection for it to like not be <sighs> like bad behavior. And so it's sort of, you know, I think they've gone way crazy in terms of throwing the book at people. And DeSantis has said this, right? Like, we're going to do a lot of commutations here where because a lot of these sentences are way out of line, right? Like, you know, people like Joe Biggs get it. I know Joe Biggs. He got like 17 years, some 18 years. Like, no, these this is compared to other sentences. Like, this stuff all needs to be commuted way down. Um, but that doesn't mean like I view January 6th as like a positive day. No, I, I don't. And I think that, you know, that's another thing where, I guess MAGA is expecting him, you know, to say something he doesn't think, right? Like he clearly doesn't think January 6th was a good day. Most people don't. Well, and I, then I, I, that would also I, be a political loser because it's an 80-20 issue going the wrong way for, for Republicans. Well, that's, that's you know, I, I would, I do fault him in as much as I like him for not saying that January 6th was a, uh, a Fed, I mean, not, he doesn't have to say Fed surrection, that might be too conspiratorial, but to say that it was a setup that has been weaponized to go after Trump supporters, I, I think he needs to be more categorical on that. Well, here's the thing, and this is, this is actually a difference, I think, where, you know, this is, I actually have a problem with Trump, and it's not the same way everybody else does on for his January 6th conduct. Trump should have known that none of this was going to work, right? He should have known. He had people telling him this is not going to work. This is a bad idea. He did have, he did. There is the video of Alex Jones. If Alex Jones yeah. knew and, and Trump was listening to Alex Jones back in 2016. I mean, things happened fast. And I think Trump had an idealistic version of, in his mind of what a patriotic yeah. protest was going to look like. And I, I, the, Nobody knew how deep they were going to go. I mean, we, maybe we got yeah. the hint with Russia. We got the hint with impeachment number one. We didn't know they were going to go this deep or but, this I mean, low. It's like, basically, I think I, I see him as having a lot of responsibility for 
what happened to the J6ers, right? Like he was the one who brought them to DC. He was the one who said, go to the Capitol. Like a lot of people are getting caught up on trespassing nonsense. Like if he had, you know, had been smarter and not done the January 6th rally, those people wouldn't have been in DC, right? And then, so he basically, but my, but and then after there, that, didn't but, pardon them, had the ability, it was considered and talked about, did not pardon them. And then I don't think he donated a dime to their legal defense. Like, and I'm well, saying this, this, someone this, who knows people who've worked on Fed J6 legal defense, a lot of it, right? Like, and I don't know that he's donated a dime to these people. Let's and take that, let's take that, take that, one, take that one by one. Um, okay. The first one was that he, they shouldn't have been there. You know, he, if he were smarter, he would have told them not to go. I mean, some people are going to accuse you and, and not in a bad way. I'll, I'll say it. That's tantamount to saying, let the Democrats actually suppress constitutional rights of assembly and protest. They shouldn't have been there because we're going we're gonna to fuck up their lives. And now what did you learn? Don't come back the next time. Part That's exactly is, what they wanted. This is like, you got to, I, I, I am not that sympathetic to that argument because like Trump as president is in a position to know what's going to happen to his people. And like, it's part of, you know, his responsibility is to like, keep your people out of trouble. Like, and keep your people from falling into traps, right? I don't, so, and my view is it's like, oh, well, you're saying we can't protest. It's like, I'm not saying that, but I'm also saying like, at the time, especially, you got to recognize, like, you know, be smart. <laughs> like, like you know, you can, no matter how unjust it is, like people getting tossed in jail and having their lives ruined over this was not worth it. And it just wasn't well, worth it and it was unnecessary. And no, like, try, that's, not, to... that's not a criticism of them in the sense of like, you know, having whatever the righteousness of the cause, it's a, that's a, it's, this, is a, this is a very separate pragmatic question about like, what are you exposing your supporters to by bringing them to DC on January 6th? Um, okay, so, so well, that's, that's, a, that's part one. Yeah. Part, part two is didn't pardon them. Part three is didn't donate to their legal defense. Well, part, now, part two and three, I think are, are part and parcel of the same thing, which is how much could he have assisted them afterwards? It, it is... The, a few, a few of the Trump team got, got it mistaken that they hadn't even been identified. He couldn't have pardoned them, but he could have done a preemptive pardon that would have encompassed a lot of people. Um, he, he would have, and I'm trying to think of like this, it, it's not a question of cowardice. He would have been convicted uh, on impeachment had he done that. Yeah, so leaders throw themselves on their, I mean, protect your people. Like that's part of owning the mistake. Like say he was impeached for that. Yeah, but, like, but that, what do you think? No, what do you like, think? Like that's happens? the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. What do like, you think? Protect your people from like how many how many person years of people in jail of his own supporters in jail are are those more important than him like well, not running for president again? Well, but I, don't no, know. But, I just well, feel like but, he's just he's using his supporters and he's not taking responsibility and he's letting them like suffer. Well, let, let me let me flip you. Uh, let me turn your me. let me turn your own argument against yeah. you. He's trying to protect his own people. Uh, he knows damn well if he gets impeached, January sixth might look like a field day. Uh, sorry, if he gets convicted, barred from running again, after people were convinced 2020 was stolen, they'll be something uh, on steroids compared to January 6th. I don't think that's, that's what he was thinking. I, I well, mean, it looks maybe. pretty clear that, you know, if you actually read the reporting, it seems like he was pretty clear that his lawyers told him he couldn't pardon himself, so he didn't pardon anybody. And well, I mean, there's well, a very so, good clip. Here's who you should listen to on yep. this point. It's Roger Stone. You won't like this, but Roger Stone. Roger Stone was, you know, being trailed by a Danish documentary filmmaker right in the aftermath of J6. There's a Yeah, they, they got, I know they got something on on, on video. Um, and I they got Roger Stone basically being like, he is being absolutely selfish. This is ridiculous. He should be issuing these pardons. Um, like, you should go watch that clip. Because Roger Stone at the time, he was very angry. And he won't say it now because, you know, Trump looks like he's in good shape. But 
He said back then he said it. And boy, did he was he viciously critical of Trump for failing to issue those pardons. And I just I don't know. I just I think there's you know, you can make you know, he can make his own excuses for why he didn't do it. But I think those excuses are weak tea. And and also I'm tired of hearing excuses. I'm tired of hearing excuses. I want a guy who I don't need need to worry well, about. But, me, but, but meanwhile, you got plenty. Power. You're you're plenty sympathetic to excuses from DeSantis. It's not my super PAC. I'm doing you know, excuses. Like that's a really compelling one. Like he legally, <laughs> unlike Trump, who legally could issue the pardon, DeSantis can legally cannot manage a super PAC. Like I'm that's a pretty important is... distinction. I expect you to do what's in your legal power, not to do what's not in your legal power. And if uh, they had actually demonstrated that he didn't, you know, Julie Kelly, I know, has tried to argue that like he didn't have the legal power to do this. It's just wrong. Like Jimmy. Well, Carter, that, that that is the the preemptive pardon on unspecified people. I don't think it's a disputed legal question. I think it had to go back to Richard Nixon's. Uh, I think it goes back to Watergate. I forget exactly the context. It had to do with Nixon. I forget the context. Someone in, in Rumble said uh, he couldn't. They were not. They were not convicted or arrested. Couldn't have. Couldn't That's have them. It's not true. It's not true. And so everybody has to make sure. Just don't don't repeat a bad talking point. I think Julie Kelly got that wrong, and I like you know Julie Kelly does great work. Everyone's entitled to sure. get it wrong of good faith. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so the it was uh, not helping with the legal fees and not pardoning, preemptive pardons. That is one I'm going to have to struggle with. I, I I know people could could say it. Uh, then he gets impeached, then he gets convicted, and they undoubtedly would have, because that's collusion to overturn, and now he's forgiving his, he's forgiving his insurrectionists. Uh, I, I think you're victim-blaming, is what I think. I'm victim-blaming for, say, he led the people and I don't failed think, well, no, to I don't their think, legal defense no, you, you, you're, you are, his supporters. I'm you're not victim-blaming. No, no, well, I think, in a way, I think you are, because basically what you're saying is, He's dealing with, with demonic forces that are hell-bent on burning the country down before letting him ever get reelected, and he should remove himself from that in order to placate the, uh, the destroyers who would destroy the country merely so they could rule over the ashes. I, I don't see it that way at all. I think it's about protecting your people, right? Well, like, but, but protect, who are you? What is the point of this is he's not going to protect his people. Protect like, his people and then, from, and from, then, from... And then for him to be constantly demanding loyalty. Like, I mean, God, I've heard so much about loyalty, right? Like people have called me a traitor. Like you go go find what Laura Loomer said about me. Obnoxious stuff, right? Loyalty. I'm, I'm disloyal to Trump. Sorry, Trump was disloyal to the J6ers when he let you know, had the opportunity to pardon them and failed and then had the opportunity to donate to their legal defense and failed. Sorry, what is why? Like, well, I, no, the, the lawyers had a practicality, pragmatism. If I thought he was the best candidate, but you tell me I need to be loyal to the guy after that? Nah, forget, no, forget forget the loyal, forget the loyalty no. argument. It's not something I mean. I, I want to pick on the victim blaming because I, I still think that's exactly what you're doing. You're basically saying they are so dirty, they are so evil, they are so hell bent on destruction that he should remove himself from the reelection pool in order to placate their ravenous. Uh, destructive ten destructive desires. I mean, that's basically that's not the reason, right? Like the, the reason I think, you know, he should, he is ultimately responsible for those people being there. And he's also responsible for, but, 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 like, yeah, but let's, it's and not, like, they're and, not... He, and he was told this wouldn't work, right? That's the thing. Like, that's why I say he, this project of his to try and take back and, and especially post like December, when all the votes had been certified, this idea that we would like have a rally on January 6th and get Mike Pence. You, nobody, no, you'd, have you'd have a rally. Nonsense. You would have a rally. You would have a rally where people would express their discontent. They, but this is like, when you say they shouldn't have been there, that's, it's, it's like, I, I'm, not, I'm not a victim blamer. I would say, you know, don't wear a, 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 a tight high skirt and walk the streets at three in the morning. 
you're not you don't deserve it but you're certainly raising the likelihood of that happening the, the trump this is exactly crowd, the logic right it's like no but it's it's not because because the, protesting on the capitol is not the is not the same exposure to risk as running around half naked in a bad area at three in the morning as a single woman it's just not one is a constitutional bloody right that you're supposed to have and what you're basically saying is he's got to protect his people from the unconstitutional uh, you know, destructive tendencies of people with no morals who will stop at nothing, as if that would have even done something. Well, he was in charge of that institution. He was the president. Yes, he's not some random person. He was the president with the power to control for at least two more weeks what those people did. And yeah, the power and, 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 of the pardon, and, and, plenary power of the pardon. And it's like, he could have exercised it. He didn't. And he did it out of his own person because he thought he would suffer personal consequences for protecting others. Just sorry, I don't, I don't, bad excuse. Like, I don't, mm. I don't see it as very valid. I, 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 I'm not, I, I think, I don't know, I don't claim to know his thought process. Going for the immediate selfishness is the easy one. Imagine he, he mass pardoned, pardons everybody. So you don't have 840 years of prison time that Biden is so happy about. He gets impeached, he gets convicted, and now you have 75 million people who think the election was stolen, who now see that their candidate can't run again. A, you think the Democrats would stop then? Or the deep state, the FBI, you think they would stop then? Like, and B, you think that wouldn't lead to a worse circumstance than uh, the one that we have right now? Oh, I, th I don't think it would necessarily lead to a worse circumstance. I think most people would, would have looked at January 6th and said, okay, let's not do that again, given that we know that like, there's you know, all these arrests were gonna happen. But that said, mm. I think, I just don't think, I, I don't think that consequentialist reasoning even went through Trump's mind. And as a result, I don't think it, you can use it to absolve him of his, for his actions. Like he wasn't thinking like, oh, well, the logical conclusion of me pardoning everybody would be me being impeached and convicted in a much worse riot. Like, I don't, I don't think, I don't want no, to think or, or, or how about his mind. How about just the destruction of American democracy that the demonic forces have won? They, they, they got their way. Trump never I again mean, on the ballot. I mean, that's the, like, I don't think that, people at the time were even thinking about him running again in 24. Like that wasn't- Oh, even no, no, I, 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 I think they were, I mean- I And moreover, it's like, you know, the, the victory is like the demonic forces have won, like it's an election. I don't know. I mean, he already lost the election. No, but, but, well, no, it's, but that's the thing. Like, it's not the idea, just... that, the idea that preserving the possibility of a 2024 Trump presidency at age 77 was more important than those people's lives, I just think is not true. Well, but- I'll tell you this. And it's, and it's, no. a, it's a very selfish calculation for him to make in particular because he's the one who would suffer. He's the one who suffered the consequences and others, the people he's responsible for bringing to the Capitol are the one who suffer the consequences of him not doing anything. I just, I, I find it weak. I find it weak. I think he yeah, well, I, and, absolutely should have pardoned those people. I think the, and he could have directly saved hundreds of his most, you know, serious supporters, decades of jail time and didn't do it because, you know, yeah, and he reasons, hasn't really explained himself why. Like he just, other than saying, other than making the false claim that he couldn't have. I don't, th I don't think he made that. I don't know that he made that claim. I want to fact check you on that because I don't want any okay. DeSantis fact. Right, maybe I'm, I might be wrong. I, I'm pretty sure he made that claim, but I don't, I don't know what his actual stated reason is for not issuing those pardons. And I'll read Heartland Denizen in Rumble says, not quite victim blaming, but appeasement of malign partisan Democrats. Still a reasonable point in my judgment that he could have. That, that's where I think, uh, it's it's look nobody can call your position stupid and absolutely outlandish i just 
I, I just don't know what would have been the better circumstance. That, that not only do they win an election that people think was stolen, they then successfully criminalize protest because even though they get pardoned, like you just said, they learned the lesson, don't do that again. So they criminalize protest, a constitutional right, while simultaneously barring for future re-election the man who they just stole the election from and then strong-armed out of politics, I out mean, of democracy The answer here was once the legal challenges ran their course, and this is by like mid-December, a concession, right? Not even a concession that it was rightful, that it was good, but like rather than this whole, this stunt that he tried, which was like the, we are going to fight to have Mike Pence not count electoral votes. Like that was a serious discussion in the White House. That wasn't fake. That was real. They were really going to try and see if they could flip the results on January 6th itself. And it's like, I think that was obviously not going to work. A stupid attempt. He shouldn't have, you know, he basically should have, his lawyers were telling him, this will not work. You should just concede. Like we're, we're out of, you know, we are out of options here legally. Um, and if he had done that, no January 6th at all, right? Like no jail time at all, well, no massive yeah, increase in, you know, imprisonment yeah. and surveillance on Trump supporters at all. Like that was the right play. It just was the right play. Like sometimes, like sometimes you lose not fair and square, but like you lose. Some people are going to take hell, like, then, people then, are going to take big issues. Things happen. Then worse things happen, like January sixth. Yeah, but, that, but then not being able to take an L are really bad. Well, but some some people are going to a disagree with your first first point. Sometimes you just lose to unfair people, and um, and th and and this you know minimize the evil. I'm not I'm not sure that's going to be a convincing argument. Well, then that you want to for next time, right? Like. You know, but, what, you know, but what's that lesson? Don't protest. Don't object. Don't contest. No, but rather, or you'll like, go to jail. In the pre-election litigation, be like unbelievably. Focused. Yeah. Well, no, this is true. You can only make the best decision at a given at the at that given yeah. point in time. I'll say this: someone raised it in in Rumble, and it's not a bad point. Uh, you fault Trump for not pardoning them, uh, and DeSantis has been con considering pardons and commutations. Uh, a lot of people are going to criticize DeSantis for being nowhere near vocal enough in terms of the support that he would give. Um, as president in mean, January 6th. I, I think they just haven't seen his speeches. Like he's he's made clear that there's uh, massive injustice done. They're going to need to be like serious commutations done early in the presidency, not at the beginning, or I'm sorry, not at the very end. Um, have we talked about Trump's pardons? Good God. Think about how bad those pardons were. <laughs> he pardoned Kwame yeah. Kilpatrick, the Democrat mayor of Detroit, right? The corrupt Democrat mayor of Detroit and didn't pardon Assange or, you know, I mean, the, the pardon list, he, he pardoned Can't, Solomon. No, we will... We will we will you know, agree oh on that. God. We we will agree or, that there were some very remarkable absentee names from the pardon, including I think from our end or from my I had covered this uh, Brian Colfage from the We Build the Wall indictment, pardon Bannon, but not Colfage. Um, oh yeah, that, yeah, that's a ooh, that's a bad one. Right? That was a, like, it was a bad one, and I was saying like if I were Bannon, maybe I would have even not accepted the pardon if it didn't include my co-defendants, like leave them high and dry. But whatever, I I, I we I. Some legit criticism, and some of it yeah. Robert Barnes and I have talked about, and part of the pardon list was one of them. Some people say they would have just like, had he pardoned Assange, but who knows, uh, and Snowden, and um, what was the other one? There's always a reason, right? Like, there's always um, a reason for him not to do the right thing. Like, let, let me, there's, well, there's, there's good arguments and there's bad arguments, and one of yeah. the bad arguments, Will, that you have been guilty of running on Twitter is Trump should be at these debates. This is what... 
Yes. This is why people are accusing, and I think rightfully so, DeSantis of sucking and blowing on January 6th. Because, oh yeah, I'll pardon them, but while it's politically convenient and expedient, I'll milk the January 6th for my own political profit because it handcuffs and tongue-ties Trump, uh, mm -hmm. and he gets to use it for his own political campaign profit. And so you and others have been running this point, Trump, sh and, well, and DeSantis, and Chris Christie. And if you're arguing a Chris Christie point, in as much as you want to fault me for the Nikki Haley argument, you're running a Chris Christie talking point. DeSant, uh, Trump should, should be up on the opponents to Trump talking point, right? He should show. <laughs> oh yeah, when you like, say I don't it think to the opponents, I don't think it's it's not a neocon argument or a populist. No, argument. no, when it's I when a, I do it, it's a Nikki Haley. We're not Donald Trump, and we're running for president argument. No, no, but like when I, when I do it, it's a, I'm making a Nikki Haley argument. When you do it, I'll say it. it's a Chris Christie argument. But I'm joking. Uh, it's a bad argument. You say that he needs to be up on that debate stage, and yes, everybody. Yes. I will. Let me see. Do you do you agree or disagree with my assessment that it create it either creates legal exposure for him or it creates political um, exploitation from his interlocutors that they can ask questions and make accusations that they know he cannot answer and then hold it against him. So yes, there's legal exposure. No, it doesn't create unique opportunities for his interlocutors. Well, for, so, no, hold on. You can't, you can't say the second if you admitted the first. If well, no, no, but here's the, here's the point. So I'll, I'll explain, right? The legal exposure comes from extemporaneous speaking. Right. Like if you were a lawyer, so let's, let's, we're both lawyers, right? You're, you're, yeah, I, I, despite what everyone knows, thinks I practiced for 13 years actively. Yeah. I had my own law firm. Right. Okay. So we're both lawyers. Okay. A client comes into our office and says, hi, I'm being indicted on like in four different jurisdictions on four different serious white collar criminal charges within the span of four months. Do you think it's wise for me to be speaking extemporaneously about anything in relation to the, my prosecutions? You'd be like, if you're just giving strict legal advice, which is, you're the lawyer, you're trying to minimize your client's legal exposure. You'd be like, shut up, <laughs> stop talking, no admissions, like do not talk in public, right? Okay, so my point my point being that like extemporaneous speaking from any criminal defendant is something that as a criminal defense lawyer, you just shudder because you're just like, please, the only there's nothing good that can come of it. All you're doing is creating possible admissions for to be used against you in court, right? Okay. Agreed. So uh, the different, okay, but Trump's running for president. Okay, he kind of has to speak extemporaneously somewhat. Right. Like he can't give nothing but prepared speeches. My point was, I don't think there's a distinction, a meaningful one, at least, between the legal exposure he gets from doing a town hall with questions he does not have in advance from both the audience and Brett Baer and Mark McCallum versus a debate where he's getting extemporaneous questions primarily from the moderators and then occasionally having to engage. And the second point you make is like, oh, well, he give this interlocutor as a problem because he can be like he can always respond with something like. You know, if some if somebody tries to make him answer a question that would like somehow violate the gag. Yeah, like ask him a question, dissent, or let's just say Nikki Haley, we have a common enemy, turns yeah, to right. Trump and says, uh, do you think that you think you accuse Pence of being a traitor? Do you still stand by that? And I know what you're going to say. He should just answer, Haley. Oh, you just muted yourself. Oh, we'll talk. Yeah, sorry. I, 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 can you hear me? Yeah, but your audio just changed. Rather oh, let me. I know what happened. I think it switched my mic. Hold on, let me let me go. Now, now this should work. Yeah, that's better. Okay, so Nikki Hill is going to say, uh, "You you accuse Trump of being a, a, a Pence of being a traitor who should be hanged." What do you have to say for yourself? And he'll say, "You know that I'm under criminal charges and I can't ask." And what an unfair question, you Jane. Yeah. From how dare you? Right. Like there, that's the opportunity. Right. Like you remind. Like this is. And it, I mean, it would be a huge opportunity for him to be like, "Don't you remember that I've been indicted four times by the very people who like." Are coming at me like he could just he could turn it around like I, I i see it as i don't think there's a unique opportunity to like leverage the gag order against him because 
the fact of the indictments is like the thing that unites the Republican base behind him. So, I mean, he could just be get indignant about like, I can't answer that for obvious reasons because I'm under the most vicious legal attack that any person has ever been under, you know, four different indictments in four different jurisdictions in four months. Like, get out of here. I mean, it would just be an opportunity for him. And moreover, I don't think, I think the bigger issue is Trump's not thinking that way, right? Like Trump's not deciding to do this town hall as opposed to a debate in order to minimize legal exposure. Again, if he were trying to minimize legal exposure, he would just be, he would shut no, up. No, well, but, no, but speeches. It's, that's, that's, that's different. I mean, and, and this is why I think I, I, if I say who wins this exchange, it's going to be me because even if Nikki Haley does, for, I think it is a question of, there's no point set aside. He's kicking their ass. He has no business being on a stage with losers. I don't think that's the best argument. Uh, you know, damn well, the establishment wants Nikki Haley over DeSantis for some reason. The media wants Nikki Haley over DeSantis for some reason. Trump can have the most wittiest, uh, needlingest response to Nikki Haley. Headline is going to be Trump refuses to answer. And that's what they're going to run with. Now, it may I mean, or may Trump, not. They, this, this, this is belied by 2016, where Trump was co given constantly unfair media coverage by the, you know, in the aftermath of the debates by the media. And yet it was the debates that elevated him. Like the debates are why Trump won, like his demol demolition of Jeb Bush, right? His demolition of Marco Rubio. Uh, like he won, he be he was like, but remember before the debates happened, he was like at 1%, 2%, like there, he wasn't high in the polls. It was the debates that made him. And I, so I see it as like, he, I mean, what the media would be unfair. Like to me, all this is stuff like, you know what he wants to do. He wants to be able to just slander DeSantis about COVID not defend his record and not and like say a bunch of stuff about DeSantis, but not to his face where he can respond. And I'm sorry, like that's some wuss stuff, right? Like I, I, I just I can't respect it. And I can't respect also like you're 77. You have an obligation to demonstrate that you're still up to this and you're at your highest level. You do that by going to a debate stage. I and and like here's the and here's the real pragmatic problem, right? This is an actual serious pragmatic problem with Trump's strategy. Why does Biden have to debate if it's Trumpy Biden? Trump turned them all down. Biden's just going to be like, no, nah, we're not debating. Like, uh, and what, well, what's no, Trump no, going to say? He has nothing to say to that. So we don't no, get no, no, any presidential think, debates and we don't get to expose Biden as incompetent no, I just like, the, on the, the debate stage. Not, not analogous. Primaries are not the same as the general. So no, nobody would agree with that comparison. Why would, why would Biden care about that distinction? It's a distinction well, no, of that it, difference from Biden's perspective. They'll just be like, you denied, you were the first, like, Seri like in a serious without an incumbent right there's no incumbent in the republican nomination you're the first republican incumbent or sorry republican nominee non-incumbent republican nominee to not go through to turn down debates like and you're going to tell me i need to debate you nah like it's just well, I don't well, think will 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 they're not debating i mean what's his face biden's not debating anyhow trump could be as you know he could do everything right they're still going to screw him so but like if th that argument doesn't Spanish, work that would be like embarrassing him not debating Trump just makes sense. Like that's, I think he's giving, he's weakening in order to avoid expose, you know, potentially exposed, being exposed and having his record exposed and, and like losing his temper in order to avoid all that in the primary, he's giving Joe Biden a massive asset in the general. And I just, I can't respect that either. I think it's bad for the party. I think he should show up. I think, you know, like everybody agreed in the Arizona governor debate when what's her face, Carrie Lake, and wanted to debate. I forget who the current who the current K governor. K Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs and Katie Hobbs refused to debate. Everybody's like, "That's appalling. It's disrespectful to democracy." Like that was all right. Those critiques were correct. Trump's doing it now. Saying, "I view it. I, my position hasn't changed. Candidates should debate. Candidates should." Guy who wants to be president of the United States and isn't willing to like stand on stage with his like the people competing well, uh, against and, him. And this, 
this is the thing like barring us barring the indictment barring how i know uh desantis and haley would weaponize it exploit it for political profit given his handcuffs if that if, if the if that weren't there i i think i'd agree with you i think the only problem is we've seen how they've weaponized and politically profited from the persecution they wouldn't shy away from doing it if they got him in a debate well, and hell hell if he said something a bridge too far and then it, you know it got him into even more criminal trouble they'd love it they would love it and they I mean, would use he does, it. A, he does extemporaneous interviews all the time. This is not but, a guy but ex- it's true, who's but ex- doing it for who's who's paying attention to legal advice to be quiet. Like that's the reason we have all these gag orders in the first place. Oh no, no, we have, we have gag we right. have gag I mean, orders because no, but we have gag orders. There would have been gag orders had he said, you know, Angron's got a nice. Uh, I was maybe, gonna, but like he's he been, had... you, he's been very like I don't mind it, right? I think it's fine, but I'm just saying like he, you know, if I were if I were putting on my lawyer hat on and Donald Trump my client, I'd just be like head in hands constantly over his public statements like it'd just be it'd be a nightmare i don't know if you've ever you ever defended somebody like that who just but like you know whatever you want to think of donald trump as a potential president he's a nightmare client as a lawyer just a nightmare client (laughs) i'm 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 bringing this one up because this is a ginger ninja set debate mike pence when a judge has him gagged in a criminal court so now this is a good point there's no you i I, look let's let's get one concession he should not have debated when mike pence was a, a candidate correct I mean, I think he still should have debated then, but it should have been at a minimum like, like Mike, you know, I can't answer. Like, I think the same tactic works. Like, maybe, Mike, maybe, you know, I can't, answer maybe, that. We're not, I can't so, discuss that. My, well, they're going to say, I can't discuss that is intimidation. I mean, th- there's, there's no depth. They'll say, I can't discuss that. He was intimidating, uh, suggesting violence, that he's going to silence him. I mean, this literally I mean, nothing. They could try and say anything, but it wouldn't fly, right? Like, oh. they're going to get a violation of a gag order on him refusing to answer a question related to the gag order. Like, no, they'll, 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 oh, dude, what, what, are, what are they? <laughs> I don't think it's a bridge. I don't think it's unreasonable to think it. Um, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's get some more questions here. There's some yeah. good ones in our locals community. Uh, we got uh, Shofar says, I'm too old to be fooled by politicians. I've seen it all. I don't trust DeSantis as president commander in chief. That's fine. Arkansas crime attorney, this is the same argument all rhinos make. Lay down and accept the fraud. It was stolen fair and square, says Joe Maskew. Oh, um, I said. No, no, no. I, I think, I, well, hold on. Is he saying, yeah. no, I think he's quoting Arkansas crime attorney. Oh, yeah. Um, then we got, no, is it true he could do a blanket pardon? He could have. No, it is not true. He could do a blanket pardon. However, did anyone even believe they would put people in prison for a protest? I'm wondering, I have to rem- like go back and remember, I think they were coming out hard. I'm pretty uh, sure Jacob Chansley was was arrested within four days. Like, no, and I'm, I'm pretty arrested. sure people were turning themselves in the next day. Like, so it wasn't. Yeah, as it was yeah. So like totally this unexpected. was, and and there are news reports about the fact that blanket pardons were being discussed. There's also the Roger Stone clip about how like he was at demanding pardons from the yeah. White House and in contact with people in the White House who told him it wasn't happening. So like this yeah. is and in, I, I can't bring up these these comments. It's in our Viva Barnes community. Bill Brown says imposing power doesn't sound very democratic, does it? Bill Brown says he can't even handle high heel scandal, but he's going to ace being president. That's a fair point. But when he was on uh, when he was on Patrick Bet David and he got flustered over the, the joke, I don't know DeSantis. It does. He seems like, you know, I, I don't want to be judgmental. He doesn't look like he has a good sense of humor. Uh, he's actually pretty funny, um, oddly enough, but it's like a dry, like, pri- he's not like Trump, right? Like, they're very different guys. Like, DeSantis is definitely like, DeSantis is a reader. He's an introvert, okay. you know, but like, he's ruthless. Like, I, and ultimately, I think this is sort of the difference between do you want a deal maker or like a ruthless lawyer as your president in a world where we don't want bipartisanship, where we want to win? And I think the answer is you want a ruthless lawyer. Holy crap. We've been going for 10 minutes shy of two hours, Will. Uh, yeah. Okay. Jeez, we'll, we'll, we'll start winding this up. I, I, I don't want to be selfish or greedy with your time. I'll do that. You're, I'll you're, you're not. Like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm it's, here and 
I got okay, cool. Yeah, I, I said Friday I was free. I'm free. So like, awesome. We got DeSantis disqualified himself when he jumped in early because of donor pressure. It showed a lack of discipline. That's from Kenny Diaz. I can't. Uh, I mean, he, he jumped in late, if anything. There were people telling him to jump in for five months beforehand. The whole Trump was accusing him of running a shadow campaign. Like, he didn't jump in early. Baldwin says if Trump is not elected president, then the Democrats and the deep state will continue to use legal warfare, election interference, and we will become a single party nation. Trump's win is about stopping future election interference. I agree with that, Will. I, mean, how, I totally how you... disagree with that. And here's my, here's my basic argument. Basically, Democrats were able to co-opt the Department of Justice from Trump, even though Trump had the legal authority to stop them. DeSantis won't let that happen. The way to stop Democrats from controlling the Department of Justice is not to elect Donald Trump, it's to elect Ron DeSantis. Let me ask you, let me ask you, a lot of people saying DeSantis was too early. DeSantis is very useful. He could have been great. How about DeSantis? I mean, DeSantis could have been, he's still governor. I don't know how this might have played out. He could have, for all of his expertise and wisdom, could have been part of the administration and then run in 2028. I mean, I can't, why would he want to do that? Like, well, why would he want to gain exactly... the experience? Why would he want to gain the experience, save the system, make sure I mean, the deep state well, doesn't because, work? Because like, working and then for be Trump, president? I mean, as an attorney general, Trump wasn't very nice to his attorney generals, even somebody like Bill Barr, who did a lot to help him. Oh, Bill Barr, like Bill Richard. Barr was a snake in the grass. He, he, he wasn't I, hard. I think people, people have underestimated Bill Barr. Bill Barr did a lot. And, and it's not just Bill Barr. Like, you have... You, you look at the way that Trump, One this is something I really didn't like about Trump. Trump publicly criticized his own sitting cabinet secretaries who he had the authority to fire. Like if your employer ever decided to besmirch you in public rather than talk to you privately, like you'd, you'd be really offended, rightfully so, and quit. Like the thing that I found obnoxious about that was like, these are people, it's one thing when Trump tries to berate and bully members of Congress who he doesn't have firing authority over, right? They have their positions. You That's public politics. It's another thing entirely when he's publicly berating his sitting cabinet secretaries who report to him and serve at his pleasure. Like that's terrible, terrible leadership. And so I can't imagine like DeSantis, who's currently the governor of the third biggest state of the union. I mean, and he said this, would have any interest in serving under Donald Trump? Um, because like, you know, here's another thing. I, and I make this point, like, and this is somebody I like, I don't hate Donald Trump. I like him. And, and I support no, he's, him. He's, he's, your num- he, he's your number two. You're not pulling a, a car deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's my number I'll three. Like, but he's not, I don't hate him. I, I like the Trump presidency and in, in terms of foreign policy, especially. And I think he's really funny. Like, no, okay, you're, all that aside. You're, just be, you're being attracted by a younger woman and shame on you. For, for, <laughs> shame on you. Women. Sort of like Donald Trump. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but I'm being tiss. All right. <laughs> all right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You made it. You gave me an easy one. Um, but the point is, like, Laura Loomer and people have gone out, been like, we are going to blacklist all the DeSantis supporters from the Trump administration. Will Chamberlain's going to try and sneak back into MAGA and, and work for the administration. I'm like, you couldn't pay me to work for Donald Trump. I don't want to go bankrupt. The guy doesn't do a good job protecting his people from legal exposure. Like, and this is this is the James Comey thing I talked about earlier. It's where the lack of disciplined communications and, like, just not being a sharp operator means that you're just like opening up a lot of avenues of attack that other people wouldn't. So like, I had no problem working for DeSantis. I would happily work for DeSantis any of the week, but even a world where I vote for Trump and want him to be the president over Biden, there's no world where I'd work in his administration. No well, I mean, but the, but I, and I would say that's the, that's the deep state Democrats weaponized agencies that have successfully deterred anybody from wanting to have anything to do with Trump because they'll destroy yeah. everybody in his orbit. It's not, but it's not about what the Democrats would do, right? Democrats would hate DeSantis too. Like, oh boy, like you, you should see how much Democrats hate DeSantis in Florida. Like they despise the guy. He's the most, he was the most loathed governor in the country from Democrats. They would try everything against him. The reason I'd work for DeSantis over Trump is because DeSantis is more legally sophisticated and runs a more disciplined operation. 
Like, and that's that's important, and that's that's a reason he'll be a more effective president for y'all. And it's the reason that I would be somebody who'd be willing to work for work for him. Right? People don't understand. People understand this. Like, I could have worked for Trump if I wanted to be on the Trump campaign. I had all the connections I needed. Like, Jack Posobiec was the best man at my wedding. I knew tons of people in the Trump administration. I was a you know fervent supporter of him for four years. I was the guy who filmed the the election, the poll watcher coming out of the polling place. If I wanted to work for Trump. I could have. I didn't for a reason. Um, let me see here in the chat. We got Trump's greatest failure is his inability to manage his hires in his first term. DeSantis's issue for me is his intentional use of Republican insiders in his campaign and his sketchy foreign policy instincts. That's from Baldwin. Bill Brown wants me to ask you about the Ron's clown. Oh, ask Tim Poole about Ron's clowns online. I don't know what that is, Bill. Um, Okay, we got Twitter is a digital graffiti, says Kenny Diaz. Hey, Viva, does anybody truly believe DeSantis is a real populist, says Victor Cardone? I mean, I do. Like, I've, I've watched him. Like, he takes it seriously. Like, you, what has he done in Florida? I mean, he was he was the best governor in the country on COVID. Like, you know, contrary to what Donald Trump wants to say, like, he was the guy who, like, fought back against Fauci, fought back against Well, he fought back. I'm prepared to put... DeSantis and Trump on the same moral uh, plane when it comes to COVID. I don't think anyone gets to criticize the other, but I, and I think they're both doing a, you know, they're both criticizing each other for things that I think are probably true of both of them. Uh, he set up that, that grand jury for uh, Pfizer. Mm-hmm. What's he done with it, Will? Well, he can't, I mean, it's a grand jury. He's not in charge of it. He said he can set it up. It has to like report. He can't, so what, but, but, <laughs> he, guess, it's not like, you know, that's not line, a big, it's what has it done? He actually controls what has it like, done? You can set it up. You just can't. I mean, that's that's on the attorneys. Yeah. OK, so but I mean, I, this is not an attack. It's done. It has not done anything yet. I mean, it's probably working on its report like it took a while. He set up one on illegal immigration. It took a few years to come out with a report like okay. grand juries need to report like you just can't you can't force a grand jury to do anything as a sitting executive. What does QED mean? It says quote uh, era demonstratum, like basically saying, like I have proven my point logically. Washington D.C. hates Trump more than DeSantis, says Joe Maskew. QED and Ginger Ninja says Biden already stopped showing up against Trump to general election debates in 2020. How did we forget this? Did they stop showing up? They did three debates, right? He agreed to three debates, but like did this time do- it'll be zero. But Biden is not going to be on the on the ticket. Period. He's not going to oh, be I, the one. How much you want to bet? This is I'm, <laughs> like, I feel Will, like Republicans are way too aggressive. Biden's just very like, you know, for all his problems, he's still the incumbent president. Man. Do you li- be there. You don't live in Florida. I do live in Florida. Oh, so we could make we could make this happen over drinks. I'll bet you a martini. OK, sure. Okay, yeah, Biden's so, not going to be. Where are you in Miami gonna, or where? where no, nah, I'm uh, like a no, 45 minutes north of Miami. OK, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in Tallahassee, obviously. That's too far away. For, I just yeah. drove through. Wait, did I just drive through? Tallahassee is like up and then never eat right away to the west as you hit yeah, out. It's like in the middle of middle of the panhandle, if you will. I th- I'm, I'm certain on, when I drove to Alabama, I drove through Tallahassee, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah you would. You would. Yeah, drive that, that, that was actually like there were some mild rolling hills there and trees. It was like there weren't just palm oh, yeah. trees. And no, my, my whole I could show you my whole house. Like there's tons of trees in the backyard. It's Beautiful. like it, it feels it's more like southern Georgia. In terms of like the yeah, geography, okay, than cool, and it was and it was I, I, it was remarkably cooler than where I am, or like less humid yes. and yeah, it's chilly. Um, well, I think we've done it. I mean, I, uh, first of all, I, I, I I'm glad we did this because I I whatever you even you you do needles on Twitter, I don't want people taking them literally or too personally. Yeah, 
Um, and then there was a misunderstanding where I thought you were telling me that I was reading from a script. And then I no, said, no, no, I was talking about Trump, right? Yeah, like, well, but then, was... and then and then I could if I wanted to be stubborn, I could have said, well, even accusing Trump of reading from a script, one of DeSantis, one of the biggest criticisms against DeSantis is he's saying those same bloody lines over. There's a new sheriff in town. Someone tell him to stop saying that. Okay, it's embarrassing <laughs> whenever he says it. Well, someone's got to tell him there's a new sheriff in town. We heard you say it three times a debate for the last four debates. Pick another. Okay, um, I, you, you've presented a very rational, compelling. Uh, presentation. I don't think anyone's going to accuse you of being bad faith. Maybe a little, not straw manning, but what were some of the ones where I think, no, even, even you, 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 it's a decent argument on what you think Trump could do to spin the gag order if he participated in the debate. And uh, I don't, what have you, other, the, the picture's fine. I don't think you're really guilty of even having uh, retweeted disinformation or promoted or repeated disinformation i try not to i don't want to i don't want to get community noted i don't like that <laughs> i try yeah. not i mean i assume that people will community know me if i tweet false things like as an independent reason to not want to tweet false things so. uh let me see what the chat has to say if there's anything else in here his love for bill barr discredits anything will says it's he didn't say he loves bill barr i think i think you're wildly wrong bill barr said there was no read, election read his fraud. memoir guys like you don't like bill barr he wrote a great memoir he's a really interesting, I, no i don't uh, I, I don't like bill barr and i know that nobody watching us right now likes bill fair barr. enough he, but go still go read his memoir like i would say that it's it's a very he's a he was a two-time attorney general very smart the, guy very the only interesting guy even if you don't like him the only reason I was inclined to like him is because he reminded me of John Goodman, who I think I liked. Now I hate John Goodman because of the degree to which I hate Bill, Bill Barr. Bill Barr, the thing, people do not give Bill Barr enough credit for ending the Russia investigation, right? That was the, that was, remember, that was why he was hired. Jeff Sessions wouldn't do it. Bill Barr came in and got it wrapped up and he got it wrapped up in a way that didn't get Trump impeached. So like over that in particular, they impeached him over Ukraine, but that was different. What was what was Bill Barr's connection to uh, Robert Maxwell? I'm going to have to ask Barnes again on Friday on on Sunday. There's a connection there that's sorted, but I, I I lost it with Bill Barr when he said there's no election fraud, and he said it when nobody had looked into it. Um, now let me see in our locals chat. Viva Fry, how can Will say DeSantis is a, is a DeSantis is a populist when he signed away Florida's resign to run law? I don't know what that is. That's from Mr. Mike, well, Mr. Mike. That that all that is is that was a law that basically said DeSantis couldn't hold the office of governor and run for president. That has nothing to do with a populist agenda. If anything, if he is a populist and wants to continue to implement populist policies, then it would make sense for him to make sure that he could be governor even in a world where he didn't prevail in the in the nomination fight. And now I'm reading Bill Brown's follow-up. It says, every time Tim asks a serious question, Ron's clowns attack him on everything except what Tim asked about. I, look, I, I, whether or not they're paid, whether or not it's organized, uh, uh, DeSantis' online uh, supporters, not you, although I, I, I'll give you a hard time whenever I see some of the tandem talking points, uh, they seem to be particularly obnoxious. I don't know why. And I don't know if I, if I, no I don't know one, if I notice them more than the Trump. You guys need to go just literally, I, I want y'all to do this. Like go into Twitter and put in the search bar, Laura Loomer, Will Chamberlain, read what she wrote about me. Well, no, I don't see this. Nowhere. Everybody like, picks sorry, on Laura You have Laura Loomer, you have Brendan Dilly. Like there's basically, I, I'm, I'm not going to hear about how terrible the DeSantis influencers are when like the Trump, like, holy cow, some of these people, like they put on Christina, they put, Photoshop Christina Pushaw's knees to look redder to in Laura well, Lumber posted this. But yeah, I mean, it, this was appalling, depraved shit uh, from from the Trump people. So I'm sorry, like you're all like the Sanders are so bad. Like you should see the shit that people are willing to say I, about I, me. I I I think if unless I miss, I'm going to look to the chat. I'm going to ask for a one for a uh, one for a yes, two for a no. The one yes being, I think even Trump supporters 
are quite vocal about their dislike for some of the tactics of Laura Loomer. Am I right or am I wrong? One, I'm right. I, two, I'm not, wrong. Not in, people don't say it. Like Laura Loomer went out and accused me of being a traitor and like all sorts of horrible things. I didn't get well, traitors, from traitors some people about how unfair she was being. That's an opinion. She's entitled to her opinion. I think some, some but like, of the tactics... But uh, moreover, I mean, I, I didn't see that many people being like, this is beyond the pale, Laura, how dare you? Like well, I didn't when she, see... When when she caught when she doxed Riley Gaines, and and she'll argue that she didn't dox her because the information was public, uh, home address when she was trying to yeah. show that, the, I, I called her out on that publicly, and and, I, and I, a, lo, a lot of people did. I I I don't I, I people pick Laura Loomer as the only example every single time, but I think there's a lot of Trump supporters who are quite vocal uh, and quite pushed back when she does things that are uh, crossing the lines. But maybe I, I, I'm, I'm maybe glad I'm, you did. I just don't see. I maybe I, I mean again, this is. Just I'm I'm speaking from what I see, right? Yeah, no, and and, and, may, and maybe I'm just more amenable. Maybe I'm not in that Twitter silo, so I don't actually see as much of it as I right, do. Right, you don't have Trump people in your mentions being mad at you, right? Because no, I just you're... every time I engage with a, with an annoying DeSantis supporter, then it just gives me more of those DeSantis supporters. Right. <laughs> um, Will, it's amazing. So, and what are you doing these days? Where, like, where can people follow you? What do you, what do you? All right, yeah, follow me on Twitter at Will Chamberlain, um, and also follow follow the the Article Three project and the Internet Accountability project. There'll you know there's more advocacy coming there, and I think you know we'll we'll see. Substack should be coming soon or something Amazing. like that. I'm so, hearing rumors that Twitter should be, but but anyway, at Will Chamberlain on Twitter. At Will Chamberlain, Chamberlain, no underscore, no nothing. Will Chamberlain, not Wilt. And mm -hmm. uh, the what's the IAP? The um... Internet Accountability Project. It's uh, at the underscore IAP. And project. what is that exactly? We fight against uh, big tech censorship and unfair practices by big tech. That is uh, even that is some of the stuff that I think we can all agree Trump uh, in the first administration ought to have been a little mm -hmm. more proactive on. But I don't think anybody could have seen that they were going to at some point ban the president, ban the sitting president from social media. Who would have thought they would have sunk that yeah. low? Uh, some Will, slopes are slippery. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, stuff, they, they, slippery right into a full free fall. And I think we're in the midst of that free fall. We just got to start growing our wings to save our asses. We'll stick around. We'll, we'll say our proper goodbyes. This has been fantastic, and I'm glad we did it. And thank you for yeah, coming on. Absolutely. Everybody out there, I might be live again this afternoon with Legally Purdy about some Canadian stuff. Locals, I'll do something exclusive later on today. And what else? I'm getting into the car to do a vlog about my Twitter space yesterday with a bunch of vax-pushing doctors who... Will, I did a, I did a two-hour... I did two hours on a, um, a, a Twitter space with a bunch, I mean, they're, they're vax pushing doctors. And I, I was just doing my best to try to attack them on their own reasoning. And then at the end of it, I asked just three of them, I was like, how many shots have you all had? Like just, you know, you're sitting here pushing this on everybody. One of them said zero, the other one refused to answer. And then after the space, another one of the doctors admits on Twitter, he got myocarditis. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's like, it's clown world. It's a clown world. So I'm gonna yeah. put together a short video to Make sure everybody knows about what happened there. We'll stick around. Everybody out there, rumble. Peace out. Locals, peace out. And I will see you all probably this afternoon.